if it was, and just spitballing here, what if it was uh, your Dungeons and Dragons fix and session inspiration in like one? Welcome to Monsters Multiclass, your, your Dungeons and Dragons fix and. Oh, I love it! <laughs> uh, I'm Kevin Odie. Uh, I'm Jerry Bornigal, and I'm your fixpiration for the afternoon. <laughs> Sounds like figspiration. Yeah, figspiration. Are figs inspiring people? Yeah. Or are we inspiring figs? Or fig perspiration? A uh, fig Ooh. mint of we're making figs perspire. Nice. We make figs, figs perspiration. Sweat. Welcome to Monsters of Multiclass. We make figs sweat. <laughs> That's just confusing. I think we might alienate our audience. <laughs> <laughs> Abstract monsters and multiclass. <laughs> we just say random things. It's modern art. <laughs> Welcome to Monsters and Multiclass. We make figs sweat. I'm Kevin Odie. I'm Jared Bornigal. And I'm Will Melvin. And we'll be hanging out with you for a while to talk about anything and everything D&D related. This week we're taking a look at the Artificer Ranger Multiclass. And then later on, the Tarrasque from the Monster Manual. So pull up a chair and stick around. Alright, so this week our multi-class is going to be the Artificer Ranger. So this is our first Artificer multi-class, so I'm a little bit excited. Um, if you missed the initial discussion around the Artificer, we did a uh, breakdown episode that turned out to be a lot longer than anticipated, because it turns out there's a ton to unpack for this class. Uh, so if this is your first foray into the Artificer, uh, we're still going to describe what we're talking about, so don't feel like you're going to be missing out entirely um, if you don't remember a specific class feature. Otherwise, the Artificer is a Tinkerer spellcaster, the only other int spellcaster in Dungeons & Dragons, and really found its niche through just that, being a, a different type of spellcaster entirely. And then the ranger, uh, which is a nature lover slash monster killer, uh, half caster martial character. Uh, so the multiclassing requirements for this is going to be 13 for dex, 13 for wisdom from the ranger, and then 13 intelligence for the artificer. Uh, so got a couple, three different stats, which is always a bit of a pain, but overall, let's hear some first thoughts from Will. Yeah, I don't know, man. <laughs> uh, I don't know how to multi-class an artificer, and I don't think any of us really do. Uh, I think <laughs> start. We, I don't know what we have weighted dice that really likes bringing the ranger back into our lives every <laughs> friggin' couple weeks. I think we're almost done, though. I, mean, oh, I need to know what's checked, but I think we got almost all of them. This is yeah, that's like terrible that we've somehow managed to hit every single one of them. But I actually think this has got some potential. They both kind of make sense as they are like. Uh, they're kind of they're very goal oriented and not tied to anything mystical. So you know, you've got rangers who want to do things with their own powers, and artificers are the same way. Right. Okay. I got you. So you're not seeing that same confliction like the paladin monks, where exactly. it's like they're they're might have some of the similar goals, but the ways they go about it are entirely different. Uh, this it's like. Just you're kind of free Absolutely. to do what you want. Artificer, I think, is going to continue to be something that makes a lot of sense roleplay-wise to pick up. It seems like if I lived in this world, it would be a hobby I'd probably adopt. Right. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, I'll you know start putting some stuff together, put some arcane symbols on it, and, oh, hey, I can shoot fire now. That's, exactly. uh, that's pretty cool. 
Uh, <laughs> Kevin, first thoughts from you? I absolutely love the flavor of this one. I think you can make really cool characters of like the Outlander Ranger who protects this area, the land or whatever. And uh, there's this ancient civilization that was there and they rip apart the technology to make new stuff. Or they're okay. just, even if it's not that, they're just utilizing technology to accomplish their goals like what you were saying. Mechanically, I'm actually underwhelmed. I, I was really thinking like initially sounded like this could actually work and as I start going through I'm just not finding much yeah that was what I noticed as well mechanically speaking it I don't think it ever was horrible or it's going to be absolutely awful but I'm not seeing any times where it's just like oh that's that's amazing you know like we get that one thing that just makes it and will make this feel like an entirely new class to some extent um, I think what is going to happen is we're going to see the Artificer uh, pick up some of the slack that the Ranger drops by not being very focused. Where the Ranger kind of fills this role of it's a fighter-ish, it's kind of spellcaster-ish, it might be support at some times because I guess it has cure wounds and the uh, that level 2 healing spirit. It doesn't really fill any specific role, but I think what the Artificer did really well with its three subclasses is creating three very segmented roles that when meshed with the ranger can kind of make it shine a bit. Right. Um, so like if you are mixing a ranger, I won't even talk about any of their subclasses, uh, but any of the artificer subclasses like the, the alchemist, then you can really make your ranger have a more support feel which is hard to do otherwise with any of the normal ranger subclasses. Um, if you go the artillerist, then you're getting some extra damage with all of their turrets and such. And then the battlesmith, where you get the the steel defender as your main thing, which is kind of like the ranger's beastmaster, only better, of course. I was going to say, it's a better way to go about being a ranger <laughs> beastmaster. Yeah, I'm sure we'll get to that. Um, but overall, say I, I am not blown away mechanically, but I think this is something that you could definitely put together a a reasonable class that's not going to lag behind in any substantial ways so w one thing with this where I, we haven't specifically talked about it too much but there's always kind of one to look at so if you're multi-classing what you get out of doing it like so you're a ranger and you pick up artificer levels right does it synergize and make the ranger better or is it more just having these certain artificer abilities around can make the ranger better and in this case by that, I'm meaning if another party member was just an artificer, mm -hmm. it would almost be the same thing. Because that's what a lot of the artificer is, is they they could use their own stuff, like infusions and potions and whatnot. Or they could use it on the party. So, like, you're looking through and it's like, oh, these potions are nice for a ranger or this infusion's nice for a ranger or anything like that. But if you just have an artificer in the party, they could just give that stuff to the ranger anyways. Okay, I hear what you're saying. So, because of the fact that the artificer as a whole really fits a support role where they don't need to benefit themselves directly. Having an artificer in your party uh, is really always going to be better than multi-classing with it, at least for the most part, and definitely with a ranger. Um, I think that's true. That's not always going to happen. You're not always going to have right. an artificer in. And even more, I think flavor-wise, there's going to be some character concepts that will draw you to it regardless. Right. And you're, you're not going to be as good as an artificer. But I mean, yeah, you know, if you want to have somebody who's a good spellcaster, you're going to have somebody who's a pure wizard. But if you don't have a pure wizard in your party and somebody multi-classes into it, that can be better than nothing. Right, that's true. Um, so as for combinations here, the one of the first ones that really jumped out to me is 
<clears throat> trying to think about, you know, what makes most sense going from Ranger to Artificer or Artificer to Ranger from a role play perspective. And I actually kind of came to, you can probably do both pretty easily, but I'll talk about Artificer to Ranger because I feel like that one's a little bit weirder later on. Ranger to Artificer, as you mentioned, Will, is really easy to just like justify as you can just start picking up that type of hobby, so to speak, where you're like, oh yeah, I want to start infusing my my crossbow with these this and this, and now you can start going into that. Um, but mechanically speaking, as we discussed in our Artificer episode, a dip into Artificer can be kind of tough. Uh, so the first like first level as a whole, you basically get nothing. Um, you get the magical tinkering, which lets you basically use a stone or object for things get, similar to like what prestidigitation. Yeah, you get, like loop a message. Uh, it could shine light in for like five feet, stuff like that. It's nothing. Nothing crazy. Right. It has no mechanical implications. Right. The only thing that they really are getting is they do get spell casting at first level, which is different from most half casters. But is it really that much? No. So it's it's definitely not the type of class I could ever justify a one level dip into. Right. Second level does start to pick up a bit more, though, uh, as you get the infusions which can be pretty huge, and one of which I think is really interesting and has a obvious synergy with the Ranger uh, is the one that allows you to make your weapon, your ranged weapon, a plus one and remove the loading property. Right. Um, which repeating I Repeating something. Yeah. yeah, repeating shot, something along those lines. Yeah. So that right away is a lot of what people will take crossbow expert for. Now, rangers don't need to use crossbows by any means, uh, but I think a big barrier to why they don't use them is because of that loading property and the feat tax that comes from having to take crossbow expert to use your two attacks in one turn. Uh, so I really liked that right off the start, where even just a right. two-level dip is is now saving you from a feat. Yeah, and you and get a heavy crossbow, which is a D10. Mm-hmm. Range is not nearly as good for a longbow. Compared to a longbow? Yeah. Is, yeah, and that's, that's definitely true. Is a longbow a D10? D8. That's what I thought. Okay, yeah, so damage versus range, which honestly, how many times? Uh, heavy crossbow is probably 60 feet before its disadvantage. No, oh, it's like 120, who, man. Who, okay, so then how often does that come up? Never. It never, never comes up. We've definitely had sessions. For like fights, a right? round, though. Yeah, where it's like true. first round you get disadvantage, and then you just move, and it's it's not the end of the world by any means. That's true. I don't think it's it's enough so that I'd ever say, oh, I should really take the the hit to damage, an average of one less, but still less every single turn for the rest of my life. It's probably better to go with that, the crossbow. Yeah, it's uh, 100 and then 400 okay. for the heavy crossbow. Okay. And then did you have longbow up? Longbow is 150 and 600. Okay, so it's a 50-foot difference. And you're right. We have definitely had fights where they start off at 100 feet away. But unless the enemy has something that they can use at 100 feet away, it really doesn't matter. Once you get to that 100, you're good right. to go. I like this flavor a lot more because anytime anybody takes crossbow expert, and anytime anybody uses a crossbow, they take crossbow expert. Mm-hmm. You've like the DM's like, oh, and you invented a repeating crossbow or something. Right. Where this one, it literally, literally, you invented a repeating crossbow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then that's um, 100% what I did uh, with our ranger or past ranger. They wanted to 
take crossbow expert basically said, hey, here's this whole repeating crossbow. Funny enough, I actually feel a bit bad looking back. He had ideas to uh, multi-class into an artificer. And I was like, no, that doesn't really fit into the world. And now that I'm looking at this, uh, that's a small dip into artificer is basically exactly what he should have done. Of just that idea of like, oh, I'm I'm tinkering with my uh, my creations or whatever passed down to me to draw arcane energy from them. I told him to go into uh, arcane shot, the the fighter subclass, because arcane archer, arcane yeah. archer. Thank you, where you get arcane shots. But like looking back, I'm like, man, it would have made a lot more sense as an artificer, and also been a lot more interesting than going a couple levels into fighter. Yeah, it always is. Yeah, but the the dip into fighter is just so nice. I know. know, that's why it's boring. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. So, yeah, if you're a ranger, you would at least need two levels to get two infusions. Right. For sure. And then infusions are really great. There's a lot you could do. You could help yourself out or give them to other party members and really the play one, into that support role. One thing to keep in mind is that uh, artificers can infuse more items as they level up. At level two, they can only infuse two items. They can know four in, of their infusions, which right. uh, just allows them to either uh, create a magic item off of a list, or they can imbue a non-magical item with a specific property. So off that list, I mean, it's all great stuff and things that I am right there with you. We're giving it to your party can be really nice. Mm-hmm. When you only have two, I wonder if it would be difficult to justify Right. Yeah, I mean, I could see giving yourself the repeating shot. Mm-hmm. And then I think there's something that boosts your AC or... There's all the basic ones. There's one yeah. that boosts your weapon by yeah. a plus one. There's one that boosts your uh, armor Enhanced by defense, plus one. Yeah. And I think that's all of the, the second level ones. The repeating shot and then replicate magic item. And looking at the magic items that you can create at second level, I don't think any of them would make me pass up a plus one item besides the bag of holding. Yeah, and that's really campaign dependent, though. Right. Um, so that list is not extremely long. Just alchemy jug, bag of holding, a cap of water breathing, which I feel like I don't even need to explain what that does. It's just, you know, you breathe in water. It's fine. <laughs> Goggles of night gives you dark vision. I mean, these ones, like, I think that ones like that can help round out your party in the sense of, to put it in our campaign right now, Three out of four people have dark vision. Right. If one of the people was an artificer and it was just like, hey, you know what? I made this infusion. You've got dark vision now. On the days that we need it, you've got dark vision. Right. Or just to help realize a character concept where you're you're a human monster slayer, ranger. Mm-hmm. And you're realizing being human have is having some disadvantages in this. So you start tinkering and stuff and become an artificer and you give yourself repeating shots so you can unload your heavy crossbow into things. Yeah. Which is very... Van Helsing, very yeah. classic Monster Slayer stuff. And then Goggles of Night because you're hunting monsters at night. Usually now you could see and now you're that quirky dude with the mechanical goggles and the cool looking crossbow and all that sort of shit. I mean, like, it's cool. It's fun. It looks like yeah. it's, yeah. such, it's such a badass mask. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It has like the eagle nose. The goggles yeah. of night. The owl face. Yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. As an owl you look face. like uh, yeah, your nose becomes a beak. Yeah. That guy from Watchmen or whatever. Owl face. <laughs> I think that's his name. Owl yeah. face. He's played by that nerdy guy. Um, owl face. Patrick something. <laughs> but no, it's a, it's a badass character concept. And like if you – a lot of people do come to tables and they're like, all right, uh, my character is fucking perfect. But Mr. DM, I need three magic items to make it work at all. And then <laughs> uh, what are you going to do? I mean 
sometimes these are really fun combos and the artificer kind of gives you an out. Right. As right. opposed to a DM just tossing out free magic items. Right, 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 right. Um, you can also uh, say the more that you explain that, I also get like a, I hate to say this, but like a Batman vibe of the utility belt of just right. like he recognizes he has limitations, like being able to see in the dark. So here are how I overcome my limitations. That's actually a good way to bring in the human race. Right. Um, which a lot of times people complain like, oh, it feels so bland. I want to play a tiefling. I want to be a devil person. But, you know, as a human, there are things that like you, you're looking around at all of these races where all the, they're like, I, we all just have dark vision. What are you doing, bud? I made my own dark vision. Right. Right. Ingenuity. Exactly. Exactly. And it's like it's it's taking that concept of just like, well, you know, what separates humans? Why are they on an equal footing as elves when humans live 70 years and elves live 700? Well, because humans invent and they innovate quickly in their lifetime. That is a very right. big thing in the lore. Yeah. Uh, I so, say every almost basically every major fantasy setting right. that's how it works exactly the humans are at from like on paper starting from a weak point versus all the other races be it fantasy or sci-fi and aliens and all that but they have the tenacity they have the drive they have the ingenuity right i'm glad you used that word because i was about to be like my tenacity because <laughs> it's always my tenacity yeah it's like oh they they suck and they're garbage and they're worthless and they just got here but they're the best because they try so damn hard <laughs> but no. you see it all over the place yeah i know like every like, i think mass effect is probably the worst one it's like they show up like 50 years like ago and they are already like the dominant race on every space right. station <laughs> right and the exact explanation is because they try just a little bit harder <laughs> <laughs> because things didn't just come easy to them they didn't have dark vision they had to make it <laughs> and this is a world where, like a universe with thousands of different species right of absolute martial and intellectual <laughs> and spiritual supremacy <laughs> But, you know, Commander Shepard's there making the hard choices. <laughs> so, yeah, you could really play into that. <laughs> right, right. And that, that I think, uh, we've said so many times where, yes, it feels a little bit tropey when we talk about it. But tropes are fun to play out right. when it's you doing it. Right. Um, and I, I don't think that one is honestly explored that much. I think it's just kind of accepted a lot of times where right. it doesn't actually become part of your character. It just allows everyone to keep going without, you know, talking about how humans really suck at smithing compared to dwarves. Well, no, the reality is that every human starts out with one of the overpowered feats and it's just like not even funny. Yeah. What's the variant? Correct. Yeah, that's the variant. And yeah, which you, you could, I mean, ban at a table and just go with a base human plus one, all stats and like two skills. and Or the other way around I see people do, which is everyone just gets a feat right from the start. Right. Like, no, there's More no variant broken. human. Everyone gets a feat. You, if is is it broken? If everyone yes. gets it, yes, it is. No, no, it's not. not a, because then you just balance combat around it. All right. There is no such thing as broken D and D sessions as long as everyone's equal in power. You know that, Will. <laughs> we say it every day before we start. Get that That's our right. mantra. <laughs> Actually, I got a strong disagree with you on that. What's that? We, we've def we've had this conversation before. I don't want to completely derail this. Uh, Fine, but. So even if everyone's equal in power, but it's higher than where they should be at the level, it makes the DM's job really difficult. Yeah. Because, I mean, challenge rating is far from perfect, but it's kind of a quick hand, shorthand. You could sort of get an idea based on challenge rating and go from there. But then let's say, right, everyone has, uh, at level one, has plus three magic weapons, and they're hitting totally really, balanced. really hard. Totally balanced. 
<laughs> so it's like, oh, I'll just throw harder stuff at them. And so, all right, now these new harder things, health is in line with what they could have to prevent the challenge. Oh, they're all dead. Yeah, but then they also, their defense is not in line with that harder one. So now you're tweaking monsters where they have more health, but they still don't hit as hard. Then it's like, all right, they have more health. So what's even the point of the plus three? Because you're just having to hit them the same amount anyways. It's It makes it very difficult. That is perfectly fair. And I think that's definitely something that... Um, newer DMs will find themselves kind of trapped in because the I, characters love magic items. Um, it's fun to get a magic item and be like, ooh, sure. look how strong yeah. I am now. But then what you don't see is is just that in the back end of the, the DM now going like, okay, well, they keep tearing through all of the fights, um, but if I throw a Tarask at them, they're going to die in like one fight. So... Uh, this isn't good. <laughs> right, and then you're stuck homebrewing everything, making right. tweaks to every monster. Right. So basically okay. negating the magic items you gave them. Oh no, the gremlin stole your black razor, and it's gone forever. No, you can't track them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, roll a survive. No, you lost. They're gone forever. And that's it's totally fair. So I, I to some extent retract my statement. As long as uh, people are. As long as one person's not outshining everyone else and uh, you're not so given such great magic items that it overshadows your character level, then you're fine. But that takes a lot longer to say. Uh, so I'm going <laughs> to stick to what I originally said. And I'm I still disagree hour with the and longer a half version. podcast format. You don't need a V. <laughs> you could be verbose. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. It's okay. <laughs> All right. So back to this uh, Ranger Artificer. At third level of your dip, you then get your subclass for the Artificer, which is split into three, kind of mentioned earlier, of the Alchemist, which is a fully just support class, as it feels, uh, a um, Artillerist, which allows you to do some extra damage and also get some turrets that you can just set up around the battlefield. Which is used for extra damage. Used for yeah. extra damage. For the and, most part. Yep. And then the Battlesmith, uh, which is kind of like the, you the get a martial dog. artificer. You get yeah. a dog, you get an extra attack at fifth level, um, and some extra proficiencies as well that you would already have from Ranger, so you don't need to worry about that. Right. Um, and I think the most important one of this is this allows you to use your intelligence modifier instead of your strength or dex modifier. Right, right, right. I always forget about that, even though it's kind of like, the critical keystone to the subclass. <laughs> right. So that is a huge, huge thing, especially in a multi-class, because that gives you some options. Um, right. You could keep your, I mean, you need at least 13 docs, but you could stop there or put it at 14 and get your plus two, which is universally beneficial anyways. Right. And then, and then you know, you're hitting the cap on medium armor anyways, which right. allows for plus two. And then, yeah, then put you the just rest focus in intelligence. right into intelligence. The only thing that you're missing out on there is then wisdom for your ranger spellcasting modifier, but I don't think rangers cast that many spells that require a spell save. No, they, I don't think they cast like any. They're going to cast Hunter's Mark. <laughs> They're going to cast Hunter's Mark. I don't think Wisdom's... Like, as much as this is multi-attribute dependent, mad, uh, I don't think it's as bad as a lot of others here. Like, even, you know, a ranger uh, wizard. Well, right. I'll say that if you do take the battle smith, you've got a point there. Mm-hmm. I think if you go the non-Battlesmith, you are kind of looking at a bad intelligence handicap. Yeah. Because wisdom and dex are universally useful, like right. no matter who you are. Right. 
Intelligence. Uh, that's the kind of the uh, kicker with introducing classes like this to kind of make up for the intelligence gap. Mm-hmm. It, you know, there's just not a lot out there that you're getting. That's fair. I think when it comes to the artillerist, that if you are just doing a small dip for the initial turrets, which are turret, uh, which is actually pretty good. I mean, you get the uh, option between a flamethrower, a force ballista, and the protector one. So you can either have a turret that gets up close and does some cone damage. 2d8 and a 15-foot cone. Thank yeah. you. Uh, the force ballista, which can be 120 feet away and stay back with you maybe and does 2d8 force damage on the hit. It is a ranged and, spell yeah, attack. And push. Right. So, But it's as a bonus action. You command these things as a bonus action. Right. So you want your intelligence modifier to be okay but I don't think it needs to be like fully your mm. focus. If I was to go into one of these other two, the alchemist or the artillerist, I'd probably focus on decks first, get that to a respectable level of like, you know, at least 16, maybe 18. I don't know. It, it feels good to get it to 20, but like in a multi-class, sometimes you're just not going to get there. Um, and at the end of the day, it's like 5% chance when you raise it by one. So it might not be the end of the world, um, but you know, you can get that, Flamethrower, Force Ballista, and the Protector. And the Protector one specifically is just going to give temporary HP. It gives more based on your intelligence modifier. So the higher you can get that, the better. Um, but it's still 1d8 plus a minimum of one every single yeah, turn. Yeah, 1d8 plus your intelligence. Yeah. Right. Which you can do as a bonus action every turn. You to have to be within creature 10, yeah. of your choice within 10 feet. Yep. This is a dumb question. Um, there are no, no dumb questions. No, this is actually a pretty dumb one. <laughs> so if you're spamming temp HP, uh-huh. temp HP obviously doesn't stack. Anytime Correct. it's mentioned in the book these days, then make sure. <laughs> yeah. But can you choose to take the temp HP in that situation? That's a good question. It's like, actually. oh shit, I rolled a one. It's like, do I just like, oh no, I, uh, I'll pass. I got plenty. I believe. No man, I'm all full up. <laughs> I believe you have to take the temp oh, HP. So yeah. Yeah, I think you're so. Right. That's actually a good question. Where. Oh, that's a really good question. Because if I had armor of Agathis on, and my artificer brought the protector turret over near me and got rid of all of my temp HP, I'd be very, very upset. Oh yeah, I'd beat the shit out of that guy. Like, oh, I can't. I mean, you know, the warlock who just cast this at at fifth level, I've got <laughs> twenty five temp HP, and you just replaced it with three. And he kills the frost damage. Frost damage instantly disappears in that. Right, that's what I'm saying. So, so it just so, ruined your spell entirely. Yeah. So I wonder if, to some extent, there. Wait, actually, it's each creature of your choice. Oh, so you could, you could say, uh, oh, this is kind of metagamey. It is. <laughs> But you hey, can say I don't replace it. Right. Like, hey, I So it's I not that catastrophic. Eight plus four this turn, so everybody's got twelve. Uh only one person got hit. I'm just going to replace theirs yeah. this turn. That's not even metagaming. That's just like being aware of the battlefield <laughs> right. situation. That's no, that's fair. Um I guess I explained it in right. a less metagamey way. Yeah. <laughs> all right, that's all right. Uh so yeah, again, I, I don't think there that uh you're going to be too reliant on intelligence it's going to be nice to get up but i don't think you're going to be losing out on too much if it only stays at like 14 or 16 you're also you are killing your bonus action in that situation but that's not a huge deal it's really not it really depends on what you're playing if you're playing a dual wielder obviously that's not going to work um i think it goes without saying well no it does go with saying we sh- we're supposed to be verbose kevin right. just told me um <laughs> so i'm going to g- elaborately explain why you should really not go into a uh 
martial class sword fighter type uh, with this multi-class. I don't think it works very well. I think it can be done, but I think you're going to get a lot more mileage out of playing either the crossbow, longbow, whatever ranged character. I, I just don't see much benefit from going into any type of sword fighting or whatever you want to call why, it. Why is that? Melee fighting? Yeah. That's it. Melee um, fighting? Because uh, you're now either going to have to... So you can use a finesse weapon. If they're, then great, you're relying on dex, that's fine. But otherwise, you're going to be relying on strength, which would be exceptionally dumb. Right. Well, so yeah, you go finesse, which is not a problem. No, it is. It's the end of the world. Um, <laughs> no, but I guess the really only other issue is just that uh, it's going to be more difficult to mesh with some of these, like like the Eldritch Cannon, I guess where you're not, like, really tanky in any way, so it's a bit weird to get up close. I don't know. I mean, you could be somewhat... So, let's say a medium armor, you're not worried about stealth. So, is that 15 plus 2? That's 17. You have a one-handed finesse weapon. You're not dual-wielding because you need your bonus action and shield, so then you're at 19 AC. And then I both... I assume Artificer is a 1d8 for hit dice. Correct. And Ranger, same thing. 1d10 for Ranger. Yeah, so, I mean, you're not not tanky. You know, you're okay. not like this. You're not a wizard. You're yeah. not a barbarian. But that's fair. Okay, so I guess you can kind of be up in the fight. And yeah, you're not gonna have a problem. And then I right. guess there and you then, could leave your your eldritch cannons. Like your yeah, just set them stuff. sixty feet back. Right, and it's like you protect them because right. they they don't have a whole lot of health. And they got a shitload of AC though. That's true. They're at what eighteen? I think. Yeah, I, I'm not. Don't have AC of eighteen. Correct. Number of HP equal to five times your artificer level. Right. So that yeah. is nice. I mean, because that's that's actually. Not a bad amount of health. No. Just a you know, three into artificer, it's got fifteen health. It's fifteen health, good. eighteen AC. It's keep not it, a keep familiar. it in the back. Right. And yeah. You, you have to be within sixty feet of it to activate it, but Right. If it's uh if you you've got the flame cannon though, I mean you just like wear it on your head, man. <laughs> oh, right. You, yeah, you can that. hold it. The the implication is it takes up a hand though. So okay. like you're not gonna have your shield. Well, I don't like that implication. <laughs> I want to wear it on my head. <laughs> <laughs> Well, for you, Will, we'll make a special exception. You're an artificer. If you can't come up with some kind of, like, special hat for free that can hold your weird flame tank cannon. It's balanced. What the, are the, you the, doing? It's just balanced. What the, are you doing? The balance gods come down and they smack it off your head. How, it's like, how, stop doing that. It's supposed <laughs> to crawl on the ceiling like a normal or artificer. Or you hold it like a gun and it <laughs> takes up your hand. You cannot have a, shore, a sword, a shield, and a flamethrower hat. <laughs> this is ridiculous. <laughs> This is out of hand. I'm sorry. I have to. I, have yeah, to I understand so. the wizard could disintegrate things and cast meteors from the sky with a flamethrower hat. Too no. far. You have violated far. the laws of causality. Your powers <laughs> will now be stripped. The one thing that does make it difficult to continue going further into these artificer classes, though, uh, at least the um, artillerist and the uh, alchemist subclasses, is that at 5th level, a lot of their stuff has to deal with uh, when you cast a spell, you do additional damage. Um, I think that it can be fine, but you are, to some extent, potentially... I don't want to say wasting it. It's just you might not be casting that many uh, fire spells when you are at 10th level total, 5 in Ranger, 5 in Artificer. Because your spells just aren't going to match up or catch up damage-wise to your full spell casters, which is fine, I mean, really for the most part, but, you know, it it just might not be worth it. That's really it. 
Right, when you had the martial prowess of a ranger backing you. Right, exactly. Yeah, exactly. yeah I, I would either go three, maybe four for the ability score improvement, and one or the other. I don't. It's. I don't think it's worth taking both of them like up to ten or something like that. Right. They start fighting with each other too much. Right, which is really good because that makes this a strong contender for the ranger bitterness bounce. Yes. Though you're not going to get to level twenty, and actually, I'm going to immediately uh, mm. counter myself. Would the third level abilities of an artificer be that great at level 20? Mm, Probably not. The turrets no. themselves aren't doing much damage. They're doing Yeah, something. I mean they they scale well with being an artificer. Right. But you yeah, it's artificer levels. Cuz at level 20, your uh, turrets, you have two of them and they each have 100 health and yeah. 18 AC still. And I think they each do 3d8. Then they get an extra yes. d8 at some point. That scales so very well. 68 <laughs> From 120 feet, yes, that's a level. <laughs> I think that's at level 17. They get that as a bonus action. Yeah, to to or level 15, they get the second one. I think. Okay, that's yeah. it's incredibly incredibly cool. Right, yeah. it's not so cool. So ninth level, the damage increases. Yeah, so yeah, 15th level total, they get, they two, get two of them. them. Doing 3d8, and then yeah, they get the cool sparkly shield where you. I mean, all of your allies have half cover within 10 feet of them. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. it becomes really cool, but. I know. So, all right. If you're 17 or level 15 artificer, and then four levels or into three ranger. in the ranger, you get a fighting style. Um, you get. I'm blanking oh, here. Oh, sorry. Uh, you uh, go natural... like hunter. Go like hunter and get um, class of slayer. Correct. Like an extra um, weapon damage. Yeah. First three levels of ranger. Uh, level one, you get natural explorer and favored enemy, um, which... which are universally considered meh. Um, Unless you're an exploration heavy. Right. Campaign, yep. Yeah. It's right campaign. It works. Level two, you get a fighting style and your spell casting, right. which includes Hunter's Mark. Uh, and then at third level, you get your subclass, which that can be really good. I mean, again, right. Hunter is a good one. Gloomstalker. Right. Gloomstalker is an amazing three dip. Uh, yeah. Because that's you, the one that gets you on the first round or your first turn of combat. Uh, you can run an additional 10 feet. And when you take the attack action, you make an additional attack. And if one of those hits uh, or whichever one hits it does 1d8. Yeah, damage. if that attack hits, yeah. And you could add your wisdom to your initiative. And you can add your wisdom to your initiative. Right. Which I would... Something. Ass- yeah, yeah, you know. i say that's that's a pretty good three-level yeah. dip. And you get Umbral Sight. That's also third level. Don't Correct. forget about that. Where you you get Dark Vision out 60 feet. So if you already have it, it's probably 30 feet. Because Or no, it increases by 30 feet. Correct. So you could have 90 feet if you're a class yes. of race with it. And then anything that has to rely on Dark Vision to see you, you're invisible too. Which it's is low campaign specific, but can be absolutely fantastic. That even works with your dumb Batman goggles, because that's cool as hell. Yeah. Right. Oh, man, yeah, just like standing there in the dark with your like <laughs> eagle Batman goggles on. <laughs> they can't see me. You <laughs> <laughs> just whispered, so you ruined it, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's yeah. actually uh, pretty darn good. Oh, you know yeah. what sucks? Yeah? A lot of things. But the main one that I'm going to bring up is that Hunter's Mark only works with weapon attacks. Yeah. Okay, yeah, right, right. So So if you've got your cannons in the back. Well, not, regardless, yeah. your cannons can't get it for you. Because it, it needs to be your attack. Well, that is your attack. You're making a ranged spell attack. Huh. Okay, well, you can't do it then. But yeah, it's, the, yeah, whatever, yeah. whatever you just said, so. <laughs> that but, makes me excited for Warlock. I was going to say, what's the wording <laughs> on Hex? It's, I mean, it's a ranged spell attack. Anytime you do damage, I think. Well, because warlocks do it so many we'll different ways. We'll look that one up in somebody's we... direction. <laughs> <laughs> when you hurt somebody's feelings, one d six necrotic. That's if you're a bard. 
Bardlock. Bardlock. Yeah. There you go. All right. So if we're making that level 20 character, though, so stop at 15 Artificer where you get the maximum you're going to get out of your cannons as right. the artillerist, and then five and ranger will get you to that second attack. So as on your turn, you can take an action to do two attacks with the hunter's markup, um, and you'll have a decent amount of spell slots because of the artificer 15 anyways to help Correct. fuel more of those hunter's mark. Correct. And then a bonus action to do two force battles does, each doing 3d8 of damage. from. Mm-hmm. And as long as you don't need to move your hunter's mark, you're, you're golden. Right. And even then, I mean... To some extent, it is going to be a tough decision because your hunter's mark, setting that up in the first place. Okay, this is getting a little too mathy, but now that I'm thinking about it. uh, So your hunter's mark is using your bonus action. You'll do the D8 on that turn. So that's one additional D8, but that is two. D6. D6? Oh, I'm so sorry. Um, So you're doing a D6, even less damage. One D6. um, So if they both hit two D6, it's not worth it, actually. Right. So... Yeah, that's if both attacks hit. It gets, I don't know, there, I think there's... If you've got the ballistas in the out. back, it's just not right. going to like I feel like no. your ballistas are going to be a better no, choice. One ballista hitting blows it out of the water. A 2d6 right. versus 3d8. Well, the only time that it's good is then on the next turn, you can get your hunter's mark again. You don't have to right. cast it again, and you get your ballistas. But if you're just going to kill it by having two turns of using the force ballistas, then you're right. wasting your time casting Hunter's Mark or moving Hunter's Mark. Yeah, let's see. Anything it's, big, you could probably justify it. Yes. But, like, super big. Yeah. Because moving it, you're also going to... It's just... It's, it's, it's a thing. mess. It's, it's, it's kind a of, mess. It's kind of situational. Yeah. You have to get a feel for when yeah. it makes it's, sense to do. It's kind of like... I'm running into it now with uh, my, the Oath of Vengeance Paladin, mm-hmm. where you get Hunter's Mark for free. And it's like, I have yet to feel like this is worth spending that spell slot on a... Over on Hunter's Mark over a Smite. Yeah, that one's a little closer though, because if you take your two attacks, then you're getting two d6 every turn. Yeah, well, this is before I had extra attack, but yeah. Right, now that you have extra attack, I mean, it actually kind of makes sense. Yeah. It can make sense if you're going to attack that thing multiple times. Really, as a whole, as long as that Hunter's Mark does more than what 2d8 would do, then it is better than the Yeah, that's true. The Smite. I'd say with the two attacks, it makes it a lot easier now. Right. That, that was new. You're welcome. It you know? is. <laughs> it is still a risk, though. You know that that can stop before you even hit once. Right. Concentration. Oh, oh yeah. All my enemies just got twenty more health. <laughs> <laughs> this is yeah. yeah this is it is concentration, though. Yeah. Just keep scaling up their health. <laughs> I love it when I go to hard mode on the game and they give me half health and everybody else double. Oh, health. such good. Oh, skill. it's such balance. Well, such we can't make our AI any smarter, so. <laughs> Or like Call of Duty where they just threw grenades more often. <laughs> You're on veteran difficulty where the Nazis just have 50 grenades in their mouths at all times. Oh, yes. What a fair death. I died from a grenade I did not see. Mm, yes, I must ponder this. <laughs> How could I do this better? Um, uh, so um, so Hunter is also another good one. At third right. level, uh, you get the, your choice between the three uh, of Hunter's Prey. I think Colossal Slayer is usually the best bet we say with that right whereas if you hit something when you hit a creature with a weapon attack it takes an additional 1d8 damage if it's below its hit point maximum yeah once per turn. once per turn yeah um which works just like the rogue sneak attack once per turn which means if it is an opportunity attack right um, then you can get that additional 1d8 as well uh so let's throw in the sentinel feet into this <laughs> right. as well because you're human yeah because you're human oh, you're very so. inhuman um right. 
Giant Killer, I think we've determined, is not that great. It's when a large or larger creature within five feet of you hits or misses you with an attack. You can use your reaction to attack that creature immediately. That, it can be good. It just, it's the large right. category where it's right. kind of limited. You're going to run into more situations. Where, where it takes two things, like two attacks to hit or kill. Right. Um, where it's going to not will, will be below tip point maximum. Right. Than a large creature hitting you, I think. Yeah. It's probably pretty close, but you're going to have dry spells where you're not going to have dry spells with Colossus Slayer. Right. So you've got the consistency there. Yeah. But I think, yeah. honestly, if you looked at it, it would seem probably even. Yeah. Then again, though, with Giant Slayer, that the attack, it's, uh, let's say it's with the Rapier or Longbow or something, and you do you still just do the D8, but it's a D8 plus your Dax and have Hunter's Mark up plus that. So it is hit more. It's not just a flat D8. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so it, it might, I don't know. It's. I think Colossus Slayer wins almost every single time, if not every time. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think there's much, honestly, yeah. conversation around it. Giant Killer is very situational. When it comes up, oh, and it uses it's your okay. reaction. And it uses a reaction compared right. to Colossus Slayer, which is going to happen in basically every single fight. Right. Ever. So that's true. There's no real winning. Well, that's not that's not even remotely true at all. There's tons of fights that aren't like that that are designed for something like Horde Breaker. Yeah, how many though in comparison? Honestly, like shitload. It just depends on how you play, and that's the issue. We like bias this and it's like, oh, I don't see this ever happening. But I mean, they wrote it for a reason. Some campaigns and some DMs and some battles are heavily biased towards twenty goblins versus. Two ogres. And that's fair. And for what it's worth, I wasn't arguing Horde Breaker versus Colossus Slayer. I'm talking Colossus Slayer versus Giant Killer. Yeah, that's Giant Killer is worth it. Horde Breaker, I think you're right. I would assume that most people do not uh, play in the here's 20 goblins, kill all 20 of them, just because that gets very samey very quickly. Right. It's, it's a lot more fun to fight a couple strong enemies than 50 of one very weak one. It, all the time. Like, I mean, I say it's, there is a lot of times where that's a great way to do it. You've got a boss fight and then you put a horde with the boss in order to uh, keep up the PCs and having to, to, you know, do more than just focus on the one bad guy. But I think in general, you're not going to see it that often. Right. Or and, as often. Right. And another thing I think that kills Horde Breaker is it's, so it's on, once in each turn, when you're making a weapon attack, you can make another attack with the same weapon against a different creature that is within five feet of the original target mm-hmm. and within range of your weapon. I think it would come up a lot more if it was within five feet of you. I could, There's a lot of fights where it's not a horde of things. It's like three or four stronger enemies. Mm-hmm. And they're spaced out where you are within five feet of two of them, but they're on different sides of you. Or there's a five-foot gap between them. Right. Horde breaker can't be used. Right. So to, I think, put it in a way that most people can visualize um if an enemy is flanking you you cannot use horde breaker there i know we don't use flanking but a lot of people do so it's just like if you're you know in the middle there's one on each side of you horde breaker doesn't come into play right because yeah they're not within five feet of each other right so anyways yeah. i don't really love that yeah class slayer is always nice to have right <clears throat> um the other option i think would be monster slayer absolutely which I'm- is a different subclass uh, and honestly, Slayer's Prey is a lot like Colossus Slayer. It just takes a bonus action to kick off. Um, so there's two things you get with this, Hunter's Sense and Slayer's Prey. Slayer's Prey is basically like a free Hunter's Mark. Right. Um, as a bonus action, you designate one creature within 60 feet. Uh, the first time each turn that you hit that target with a weapon attack, it takes an extra 1d6 from the weapon. 
again, it's it's kind of just less until you have short long rest. Free hunter's yeah. mark. Yeah, no spell slot, no concentration. Does less because it's only one once per turn instead right. of every attack. But it's nice to have, and then hunter's sense can be really useful as well. That's the yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, as an action, choose a creature in sixty feet. You immediately learn if it has any immunities, resistance, or vulnerabilities. Um, if there, I thought there was another aspect of it where that might have been the UA originally of this. That's the the bulk of it, though. You, yeah. if they have any immunities, resistances, or vulnerabilities, you know about them. Right. Um, and if the creature is hidden from divination magic, you sense it has none of these things. Yeah, the UA had a line where if it, um, I forgot how they phrased it, but it was like basically saying like a, a troll will regain health unless yeah. you do fire damage. Like you would learn that. Oh, and like, that's that's not in this. That that was the UA, which which is why I played the UA. So that's kind of what the burned special into my details. Brain, but, I remember that exactly. Yeah, line. I, I that that, that made a little more useful else, but, too. But uh, yeah, I I would I would always lump that in as a DM personally. But yeah, I would have to see. That's that's kind of interesting. I yeah. I think that's kind of makes that a little bit better as well especially for a full action um right that's where it it gets tough to not just give it to them uh if it was a bonus action i feel like what it gives right now is perfectly fine and doesn't need anything else right though it does make a ranger even more bonus action dependent um (laughs) and i think overall for me this class is a lot more flavorful than hunter yes um i think just versus colossus slayer because we're going to keep going back to that it is less damage and it's going to be less damage almost every single time and colossus slayer doesn't use a bonus action to set it up so it definitely wins out there and i don't know if hunter sense from once again a mechanical standpoint is going to be worth going into this but the idea of being a monster hunter is a lot cooler than being a hunter hunter (laughs) yeah it was i feel like with hunter they just don't really give enough guidance on what it can be where i see it it's there's less hunter and it's more like defender yeah they're they're gonna be the main defenders of the realm and if the realm is constantly like not necessarily the realm their kingdom their land whatever is constantly under attack by goblins they're gonna get horde breaker and escape the horde and all that if they're fighting off giants you know colossus slayer and no i think that whatever and I, like, I think it can be really flavorful it just like sort of leaves it up to you where monster slayer is like it's super baked in right yeah, and, and grows as you go through it as well, where okay. it becomes maybe not so much the third level one, but, you know, as you go forward with, like, supernatural defense, where you get uh, target of your slayer's prey, forces you to make a saving throw, and whenever you make an ability check to escape that target's grapple, add 1d6 to your roll. So that one I like because a lot of supernatural creatures force you to make saving throws. Right. Yeah. Like a Banshee, for example, it's like, that makes you do a, I think a wisdom saving throw, but that doesn't really matter either way. It forces you to do a saving throw. If you have your supernatural defense on that or your, your slayer's prey, you get that extra D six. That makes me feel like a monster hunter when I see the rest of my party going down, but I have been through this before to some extent. Um, and you feel stronger in that aspect. Right. And I think we mentioned at the beginning, but the, the uh, role playing of Monster Slayer Artificer is just great. It fits so well. Yeah, it's, they're they're the Monster Slayer, and they leverage technical prowess and ingenuity and tinkering for better tools to take down these monsters. Yeah, no, I it think fits it's, perfectly. It's really yeah. good flavor. Yeah, but again, Hunter can as well. And I mentioned it real quickly in the the first thoughts section where you could very very easily have like there's a sacred land right. where it's built off of the ruins of some ancient 
advanced civilization that everyone has forgotten. No one knows who they are, what they do. But you keep unearthing just little technologically advanced things and you sort of figure it out. So you're the defender of those lands and you're utilizing that technology right. to help defend it. Yeah. Um, you two did not play Horizon Zero Dawn, did you? No. No, it's PS4 only, man. No. Yeah. For well, now. it's Yeah, it's coming out for PC. You recommended it and I was like, I can't, man. It's really good. I'd I can't. It. I'm not yeah. going to buy a $300. But it, Artificer Ranger, especially like Hunter, um, Artificer maybe Artillerist or the uh, Battlesmith. Battlesmith, yeah. It, it, people, you know, love to try and recreate characters based off of other mediums, popular stuff, video games or right. whatever. The main character in that alloy is completely an Artificer Ranger. <laughs> like, the the right. general premise of that, and you get this at the very beginning, I'm not spoiling anything, is it's the world has moved on so much that our human civilization has collapsed. We got to some really advanced technology and it's collapsed and you don't know why. And there are humans alive, but they are so far removed from it, they're not aware of that. Mm-hmm. And they've reverted back to this tribal state and hunters and stuff like that. But all the the runes of our old civilization still around. And so they're utilizing that so it's this kind of really cool mix of this sort of hunter gatherer type stuff with this really advanced technology yeah oh yes techno primitivism (laughs) is that a thing (laughs) i just said it okay (laughs) (laughs) and Um, that's actually what it is now i have looked at it and it is just techno primitivism which only it only like exists obviously in fiction but it's a thing right it reminds me of uh nausicaa and the valley of the wind it's a ghibli movie that somebody Just, what is it? Is it Ghibli? Is it Ghibli? I don't, know. I don't think so. I'm pretty sure it's Ghibli. I don't speak Japanese. Fair enough. Um, me either. It's uh, it's Totoro. That's it. Uh, so, Nausicaa in the Valley of the Wind is, is a lot of that same concept where the, the world was very technologically advanced, but then was wiped out for some reason or another and then reverted to a, a tribalistic uh, society. But they mesh technology and that really well, where right. really well, but also really stupidly um, <laughs> at the same time. Where uh, in one scene, uh, airships come down and tanks begin pouring out of those airships, and then there's just knights in like plate armor <laughs> <laughs> and swinging swords, and I'm just like sitting there like that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Like there's right. shooting, there's people in plate armor just shooting guns at each other. It's like. Mm. That's not how this worked. But anyways, I'd recommend that. This is reminding me just how many media did this trope. It's like, it seems like such an obscure thing, but I'm like thinking of multiple animes, Western movies. And it's like, yeah, it's, uh, they went back in time, but forward also. Right. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) It always turns out well, but it is not a rare one. Right. But (laughs) wait, it turns out well for who? The like the audience, oh, oh, not okay. uh, not anybody. Okay. The audience. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's fun. Right. Yeah, so I, I totally agree. I think it, Artificer Ranger Mix is, is good there. Um, right. So I mentioned earlier how you could justify an Artificer going into a Ranger. Um, I think it's a little bit weirder than the other way around. Mm-hmm. Being a Ranger, and to some extent, though... Okay, so usually the way you get your favorite enemy and your natural explorer is kind of in what you just described, where you're protecting a land, so you become very familiar with that land and the monsters that encompass it, or something right. in your backstory happened, it's tragic, yeah, or and now you, you want to kill them. Hunt in that land all the time. Yeah, you're right. not necessarily protecting, but yeah. Right, right, right. It's it's really baked into who you are. Exactly. Um, so the way I was thinking with an artificer is to some extent that that mortal enemy can come up naturally in a campaign. But as for like the favored terrain in that, 
artificers are smart and they are research heavy. So I could very much so see them going into the ranger life almost purely through research and just becoming fully engrossed in a culture that they're basically adapting in order to start taking on. It doesn't really explain all of the martial aspects of it, but they kind of have all of those to start anyways. Right. Going into ranger doesn't give them many proficiencies that they didn't already have. Medium armor, martial weapons, and shields are already there for Battlesmith. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think Battlesmiths get heavy armor, but Rangers don't either. And then you get like some additional, like you get proficiency in nature or survival or something like that. I think that could actually be a a really easy way to, to get into that side of things. Yeah. That's a good way to go about it. It's definitely not the, the classic way where it's like, Oh, and then I went off for a year to study in the forest or the mountains or whatever. It's like, eh, you know, I just, I really, I learned everything there is to know about it through books. Right. Yeah, Wasn't Indiana Jones like an archaeologist? Yes. And then he just got, like Nazis kept attacking him, so he just got better and better at gunfighting and regular fighting. <laughs> yeah, like every day. But he started up, as a nerd. Right. Every day he'd just like show up to teach his class and Nazis would be like, <laughs> oh, where's our magic box? And he'd have to punch <laughs> them or shoot them. And he's like, why do I keep getting better at this? <laughs> I don't know. I think that's like, I, it, it makes sense, especially because the both of these classes are like the pursuit thing. So I can see an artificer in his pursuit for whatever, ending up taking on whatever properties of the locations or cultures that he's looking at. Right, right. I would, like, that's the exact type of person that I expect, like, oh, we've got this big mission in, you know, the forest of made-up name, and you guys go there, and now the artificer starts, like, spouting off tons of information about this place, and you're like, And he how speaks you... made-up Namian, yeah. and it's like, <laughs> like how did you do that? <laughs> yeah, he's just like, oh, I just, you know, picked up every book I could find, uh, and just started learning. So yeah, that that makes perfect sense. That is what I'd expect. Um, so then, just taking that to the extreme, you get a ranger. Uh, we should probably talk about the uh, battlesmith and how that interacts with Beastmaster. That is a good point. Yeah. I feel like somebody would yell at us if we didn't. Yeah. So <laughs> if you if you're a ranger and you want like the idea of going Beastmaster, I would almost like recommend to just dip into battlesmith but i don't know i don't know i i guess yeah i want to talk through because i don't know how well it's gonna work because so the three level dip will get you that uh steel defender because mm-hmm. you, you get that yeah third level but it levels up and gets more powerful based on your artificer level correct correct and i so, believe that the ranger one does as well for Beastmaster. yeah it doesn't go up quick enough as i believe has been discussed it's four times your ranger level uh compared to uh five times your artificer level which is just like kind of an easy fix for beastmaster maybe but whatever right. <laughs> um i think that if you wanted to replace the beastmaster you're not going to get there with uh with the battlesmith unless you just accept that you're going to go a little bit into beastmaster you don't even know like, what would a three-level dip in the Beastmaster get you? You get your crappy beast. Right, that will like, never level up again and right, die. Right. And I would almost go, like, three levels into Hunter <laughs> and then go into Battlesmith and call yourself a Beastmaster. <laughs> Honestly, it's it's kind of a, an odd mix. Yeah, they don't step on each other's toes in terms of action economy, but that's no. more like a downside of the Beastmaster, taking your action to control it, while the Steel Defender takes your bonus action. <laughs> <laughs> 
This is the 1010 mix I was looking for. Right? Uh, so you can kind of. So that's mostly true. Uh, just, I know that as you level up yeah, the Beastmaster, it does get a little bit better. Once right? you get extra attack, you could take the attack action and have you attack one and then use the extra attack to have your beast attack. And then the bonus action to have your Steel Defender attack. So I guess. And you could. Our, the Steel Defender gets extra attack at fifth level, and that, that will satisfy that. It's not saying they'll Ranger's extra attack. It's just once you have extra attack. Wait, what level does the Steel Defender get a second fifth. attack? Oh, oh, okay, the Steel Defender does. Sorry. Yes, I which thought, is the same as the Ranger. Yeah, yeah. I thought you meant the... Uh, the the, the battlesmith, battlesmith gets the second attack. attack. Oh, the steel defender does not. Yeah, get the I, second you're attack. right. Correct. That's the battlesmith. Yeah. Because at eleventh level, your beast gets an eleventh attack. Or sorry, <laughs> <laughs> that would balance it. <laughs> now we're there. Oh man, uh, at eleventh level, bestial fury uh, is a beastmaster. Whatever. Right. God, I can't talk. Why are we doing a podcast? It's a horrible yeah. idea. Yeah. Uh, anyways, so that gets a, se- a second attack for the beast. So I guess if you go, you know, 11 into Beastmaster and 5 into Battlesmith, you're getting a lot of companion attacks. What the- I don't know why you would do that. I, it'd be goofy. Uh, yeah. but like- <laughs> it's, basically, it's just that every time there's the possibility of having two companions, somebody's going to want to do Make that. Make it three. Make it through with the homunculus? Yeah. Oh, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> yes. Oh. And then do artificers get fine familiar? I don't think so, but I'm sure you could take a one-level tip into something. That do, do magic initiate. Yeah, magic initiate. <laughs> get it. Then, like, what are you doing with them? Nothing. Sitting down combat. You just annoy Bring a chair and sit in the back and make your animals, animals fight do things. everything. Yeah. It'll be like Pokemon. Oh, God. There you go. You can make a Pokemon trainer. And it's just, some of them are going to die in one hit. And then... Midway through the day, everyone's going to be like, oh, what do you have left? And you're like, oh, nothing. Uh, <laughs> can we stop by the uh, Pokey yeah. Healy Center? I could see somebody having that train of thought and attempting it because you always hear about how important action economy is in 5th edition. Right. Which it absolutely is. And then thinking, all right, I can take it from one to three things acting. But it's more like each one is a third of an action. Right. Yeah, what's a challenge rating fourth exactly doing? You know, not much. That's the Beastmaster. You know what else sucks? Uh, For the, you know, maybe I I should actually check this. For your Steel Defender, yeah, you can get it back for like a spell slot, can't you? Something like that. Pretty sure. It returns to life after one minute with all of its hit points restored if you cast a first level spell slot. Compared to the Ranger Beastmaster, where you have to just wait eight hours. You have to spend eight yeah, hours. You have to spend eight hours. Correct. Catching and, a new dog. Yeah. <laughs> That's one of the ones where everyone almost homebrews it away, where it's saying, yeah, you have a mystical connection and you can do the eight hours to resurrect. I think that yours. all the, the Ranger UAs, the revised Ranger UA, yeah. changed that as well. Yes. We it changed the entire class. It did, it did. And that's why I got the It just out. sucks. We need something officially released so we can go off of that instead. Right. Because every time it's like, well, we have to address it because it's here. Yeah. But every other person's going to be going off of UA. Right. Except for now there's, yeah, to make it even more complicated, there's kind of two UAs to yeah. go off of. You have the revised and then the, what's that new one? There was another phrase Plat- for revisited it. Revisited or something like that? No, it's they did it with like every class. Oh, the expanded, expanded, one. yeah. So you have the revised ranger and then the expanded ranger. The expand, the expanded ranger didn't give us much though. Not for Beastmaster. Not for no. I mean, no. There's no fixing Beastmaster unless you start from first principles, and that's what they did, but not with these updates. You just get bonus stuff, right? I don't know. 
it's this is this is another this is a second example of a great pairing that doesn't work without the magic book that I made up. <laughs> the one that's just yeah. uh, like multi classes, specific multi classes yeah. that. It's like, oh, if you want to play a battlesmith and a beastmaster, here's making your you've got a better into, beast. Yeah, yeah, it's right. a better one because you decided to really commit to this idea. You have a cybernetic dog. There we go. Yeah. Ooh, cyber dog. Yeah, because both the steel defender and then the beastmaster beast, they they barely keep up with the level as is. Right. The steel defender more so than the beast, and the beast kind of doesn't honestly. Well, and now you're slowing it down. You're slowing both of them down. Even if the Steel Defender didn't make a single attack the entire campaign, its reaction alone is better than the Beastmaster's. The deflect attack. Yes. The fact that they can just impose disadvantage on an attack roll of one creature can see that it's within five feet of it, provided the attack rolls against a creature other than the Defender. They can literally sit there and take the dodge action and just use their reaction, and I would rather have that near me than the Beastmaster. Just any time. It's going to be more hardy at the very least. Right. So much more HP. So um, this was a question that was brought up to me the other day, and I think I answered it correctly, but I want to get your thoughts on it. With the Artificer being new, I feel comfortable talking about it on air. Uh, So with the Steel Defender, uh, it can be either uh, bipedal or a quadrupedal. Is that correct way of saying it? Uh, Either stands on two legs or four. If it stands on two legs, you can't give it an item, correct? Like a weapon? Correct. You can, it just can't do anything. It can't do anything with right. it. Okay, that's what I said as well. Like it, it, Somebody was like talking about putting a character together, and they're like, and then I could give it a magic weapon. And I was like, no, you can't. That's not how this works. Yeah. It gets its attack, and it can't do anything else. But I didn't have specifics. I just shot it down. I like would the, say that it can, I don't know. Like, All right, so... It, you just can't attune to stuff, right? Like, you can't put, like, a belt on him and say, oh, he's got the magic belt now. Right. right. That'd, think, be, that'd be a huge waste of a Storm Giant strength belt, but it'd be hilarious. <laughs> oh, you know? <laughs> Give the Steel Defender dog the belt of Dormakind. That's what makes you grow a beard. And, <laughs> right. <yeah. laughs> be awesome. Oh, and there's, like, steel wool. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think what clarifies it is it says... Unless you take your bonus action on your turn to command it to take one of the actions in its stat block or dash, disengage, help, hide, or search. So it's specifically saying you can do anything in its stat block or dash, disengage, help, hide, or search. Like, right. I mean, that's just like how it is. Yeah, yeah. I know. I say, I, again, I knew it was no, but I needed that backed up. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's definite no. But here's the question. Can think, we put belts on the dog? Yeah, I think you can put belts on it. I don't think it can attune to anything. Actually, yeah, that's what that that's my yeah. rule. It's yeah. a construct, not a oh, but are mm. Warforged considered constructs? No, they're it, it's one of those they're total cop plus, outs. Yeah, it's like when uh, something's technically considered like large as like a the Goliath, but yeah. right? medium. <laughs> but yeah. uh, mechanically, you are large. It's like fuck off, right? Yeah, when you have it stand on two legs, I think people are picturing like a a robot, a humanoid yeah. robot, almost like an android. And it's like I don't think that's the intended flavor. No. What do you think the intended flavor is? Like a really off-putting dog? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm picturing, I don't know. Like, an ostrich? Like a crab type thing? <laughs> a crab? Yeah. Crabs have more than two. They have like six legs, Kevin. That's this the wrong direction. <laughs> Just two very shapely it's like a really... human legs. <laughs> and then a crab body with... <laughs> Like a, it's a really like flat crap, so it just needs the two legs, and it just like walks sideways and the pinches. Are you talking about the guy from uh, Wild Wild West? That, that had way more than two <laughs> legs too. But there was the like spider guy, right? 
What are you talking about? Oh, do you not remember? There's the guy who, like, from the lower half down had, like, robot spider legs. And then he was just, like, an old-timey, you know, business guy. Like the, uh, there was (laughs) Evil dude. It was in the Elder Scrolls Morrowind. They had the same thing. But it's more legs, not less. Anyways, yeah, we want less legs. There's one really off-putting crab. Oh, here's a good question. Can they have only one leg? (laughs) (laughs) Name one animal like that. Don't say snakes. All I can think of is snakes. Uh, Actually, I, have, I was the going, snakes have no legs. No, right, snakes yeah. have one leg. But I was going to, I was going to think about it, leg. but then I couldn't because he said snakes, and all I could think about was snakes, and it scared me. A one-legged elephant. Ooh, ah, gotcha. wearing a sombrero. <laughs> <laughs> that that's a great plan. Bring our inside jokes into our podcast because <laughs> you know everyone's going to find it hilarious. It's just yeah. it was just a, a dumb thing to add. <laughs> I think they meant ostriches. Yeah, ostriches are perfectly fine. Um, winged creatures. I say most birds, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but they can't have a fly speed. It's kind Don't of ask. Though, man. If you make any bird out of steel, it's not going to fly. That's why you have to make planes. What? Isn't a plane just a steel bird? No, they're shaped differently. You know. Jet engines. Mm, I didn't know that. I really... I, uh, yeah, yeah, the flapping. The wings are kind <laughs> <Yeah>. of... <laughs> really scary flight. <laughs> the ones that like, <laughs> flap up and down. <laughs> Like Horizon Zero Dawn, going back to that, there's a like flapping the, plane. There's the main, a lot of the main enemies are like machines and they're like machine variants of animals. And there are flying ones, but I'm thinking about it, they all clearly have like jets on the back of them oh. and shit. It's not just. That's disappointing. Yeah, they should just flap their wings. <laughs> no, I can picture them like in the attack animation up there, like flapping its wings as it like shoots laser beams at you. But, but I still think there's jet? jets coming out the back. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's just, just like a design decision. Is like, yeah, we're gonna have it flap to fly, and they're like, that's like orders of magnitude less downward force than we need. Like, oh, fuck, <laughs> put the rocket on there, I guess. That didn't work at all. Sorry, guys. One thing just to kind of poke back on is I think um, mechanically speaking the going mostly into Artificer and then small dip into Ranger seems to be a much more beneficial way of playing this class. Yeah, because all this Artificer stuff gets better the more you're an Artificer. It scales with you. The Steel Defender, the potions from uh, Alchemist, your experimental potions, which is we didn't really talk about it, but that's kind of like the crux of the Alchemist subclass. Right. Those get more powerful and you get more of them as you level up. Right. Which I'll still the, see. The, yeah, the artillerist cannon. Though uh, just consistent free 2d8 as a bonus action damage for the artillerist is it's like nice even up to level 20. Like it gets better, you know, as, as you level them up 3d8 and then getting two of them. But mm-hmm. it's a free, not a free, a bonus action 2d8 damage is nothing to shake a stick at. I know that's a weird saying. <laughs> <laughs> you just that's gotta a, commit yeah, to it. Yeah. I think in my in our artificer episode, I said uh, put you in a sticky wicket. I mean, yeah. you just got to commit to the dumb phrases. Alchemist, though, I, I don't think we brought that up. It does work, though, flavor-wise even. It's just everything that we said with a with a focus on potion making instead of item making and tinkering. Right. Uh, where if you're a ranger who gets super into making potions. Right, which fits really well if you take the kind of herbalist vibe yeah. side of it. Yeah, I think it is. It's that. It's playing more into the naturalistic side of it instead right. of the the hunter aspect right um so i i still like that the experimental elixir as we've figured out is pretty good it's just interesting for, uh, for the most part yeah you get one of them for free that it, and it's random after a long rest then after you, that yeah you roll a d6 
But right. so you know what it is. And then you could take it or give it to someone else. And then you could spend, what, spell slots to... Yep. To make more of the ones that you want. Yeah, and you could choose. Right. So if you're like, I specifically want to spend three spell slots and make three of the boldness uh, experimental elixir that basically gives bless to whoever drinks it. Right. Um, then you can do that. You just have to spend the spell slots up front. Uh, the benefit for that one specifically is that you don't have to hold concentration on something and it's not your action to initiate it. Right. Do those like go away at the end of the day? The potions? Yeah. yeah. I don't think you could stockpile them. That's that's definitely my question. Is there like an amount that you can have or a limit there? Um, yep. Nope. Yep. Nope. We'll just cut yep. the silence. I want to read it. Creating an experimental elixir requires alchemist supplies, and any elixir you create with this feature lasts until it's drunk or until you end your next long rest. There you go. Perfect. Thank you. They evaporate when you're sleeping. Okay. Okay. But then um, the that's, next part there is you do get some additional ones for free. At sixth level uh, and fifteenth level. Yeah, so I'm smirking to myself here because I, I'm thinking of the next uh, logical conclusion of the coffee lock, the coffee alchemist lock. <laughs> <laughs> so their whole thing and it's bullshit. And, oh, we have been. You see where he's going? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so there's a way to set up a warlock. Well, actually, you technically don't need a warlock. You, you could get away of not taking a long rest. And we've argued about it, and there's so much stuff out there online. Go read it. I don't want to dive into it now. But you could set up ways to not take a long rest. And so, like... doesn't have to be a warlock? I thought it had to be a warlock. Yeah, it definitely has there's to be a, a warlock. There's a it's warlock. sorcerer or warlock. I'm trying to remember it. Warlocks get the short rest spell restoration. Right. right. So you take a short rest, so you get those back, and then you could turn those into sorcery points and turn them whatever spell slots you want. Right. And then you take another short rest. And then on a long rest, that stuff's supposed to already set. But you kind of cheese the rules and really kind of argue raw, and you don't technically ever need a long rest. Can you turn the sorcery points into any kind of class spell? Yes. I think up to fifth. Well, yeah. So you could do the alchemist game, yeah. You, you, yeah, well, yeah, spell slots are spell slots. Like, it uh, doesn't, it yeah, doesn't, you're right. Yeah. So, <laughs> jeez. So then you can, you never take a long rest. So you get an infinite experimental elixirs. It's really not as good, but it's. <laughs> no, it's super not. But with that, at least you can get healing, which the coffee lock generally would miss out on and need healing from somebody else. Right. Um, it also fits the flavor that we all decided was the only way you were allowed to play it is you have to be completely insane. Right. So you've got this guy who's like losing it. There was no coffee ever in the coffee lock. This right. is the coffee. Right. right? <laughs> The infinite yes. bag of experimental yeah. elixirs. Yes. He made a bag of holding to hold the infinite pile of them. And he just <laughs> takes them at random, like every three minutes. Oh, my God. I mean, there's no bad ones. No, there isn't. But it's still, I mean, you just randomly start flying every few minutes. Don't even don't even mention it. Don't even notice right. it. <laughs> <laughs> or it like is a huge addiction for them where they just like, you know, not even in combat, just like... <laughs> It's like, what are you doing? Just gotta always be prepared, you know. Gotta, gotta be. <laughs> gotta be up. Gotta be up. Gotta stay up. Gotta stay up. You really lean into the alchemist side and fix that with technology. They're not swinging a potion. They have like this tank set up on their oh back my God. with a <laughs> IV right into their arm. <laughs> the Bane mask. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I heard he doesn't. You may sleep. Have long rest. <laughs> just like, who's gonna take watch? You just see him just sitting there, just pouring his uh, elixirs together and just, just dumping them all into the tank. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, <laughs> Whatever happens to come through. <laughs> I uh I don't I don't think he sleeps. He can take a watch. <laughs> I'll take care of it. <laughs> um, and verboten. But hilarious. Yeah, yeah so 
Don't do that. <laughs> no one should do that. Also, that we'll talk about it more in the Warlock. Warlock Sounds no, saying it it's that loud. I don't think it's going to be helpful at all. <laughs> Experimental elixirs are nice, but right, they're, they're not not near. worth giving up all of the other stuff for. Correct, they're not as good as unlimited spell slots with the sorcerer. Um, right, sorcerer warlock. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. All right. Um, so I think that's everything I've got for the artificer ranger. Any, and we don't normally do closing thoughts, at least not formally, but. I feel like it's just good. I don't know. I, I like it. I think it's got a lot of flavor potential. Yeah. Even if it's not mechanically the greatest thing in the yeah, world. Yeah, I think it would be a really fun class. People will make these characters and have a lot of fun with them. And it's... Like, yeah, there's nothing that like synergizes where like you, they come together and you know, one plus one equals three type stuff. Right. But you, you get more versatility. It spreads you out. You get access to more things you wouldn't already have. It just... could be but, fun. Because this is the first one we were kind of learning stuff and... The thing I think that I notice the most is the the artifice of dip is kind of garbage, right? But that second level, uh, just getting the like item shit, it really enables a lot of things that weren't possible without it. So it's an interesting dip, even regardless of the ranger, for like anybody looking for a thing, right? It, you know? Yeah, it definitely makes you feel like you're doing the dip for a very. Imp- big class reason or a big character reason um the one i'll always bring up is i i hate sorcerer dips which i know some people fight me on that um not you two as much as people listening who say i'm dumb but that's okay um so i don't love sorcerer dips they always leave a bad taste in my mouth because there's usually not much choice to it or it's just kind of the exact same thing where it's like oh this struggle of power that i didn't expect to get i don't know why that bores me so much but it really does um, this, on the other hand, I feel like can be very exciting. It offers up three extremely distinct ways to pick up a, a new hobby, basically, um, and and turn it into a very class and character defining, not an event, it's not going to be a singular event, uh, but pivot. Really. Pursuit, honestly. Pursuit, it's a yeah, thing right, you want to do. That. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so for that, I, I think I'm, I'm actually going to be uh, really happy with a lot of these artificer multi- multi-classes. For sure. Malter classes. Malter classes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just trying to think ahead. Mechanically, I don't know. I'm not making any claims, but I, I really can't think of one class RP wise where it wouldn't make sense. I don't know. We're, I think Druid's the only one I'm going to. F- I'm going to say Druid's okay. got potential, but we're going to have that Ranger overlap. But what I'll say is Wizard. I can see like a Wizard just being philosophically against this approach. Ooh, that'll be an interesting conversation. Hmm. We'll, we'll leave that just at that. Yeah. yeah. Just at that. <laughs> Um, As so, we get to wizard artificers, literally the last one, and we're on any hype we build out of it from this conversation. Remember that episode about three years ago? <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, with that, uh, go into our promotional minute. If you are not yet, please subscribe to us on uh, wherever you get your podcasts. You can find us on uh, Twitter as well, monsters underscore multi, and then Reddit, which is our monsters and multiclass. Uh, to have discussions around the episodes and just get engaged with other people who uh, talk about us. We've also recently started uh, putting together a Patreon and a Kofi to not only just recoup some coping, uh, coping costs, some hosting costs, uh, but also to try and put together transcriptions for the episodes, uh, make the episodes available to more people, and also, you know, it's nice to have. You can reference it. You can use it and whatever. 
put it in text. The issue is, is that because we talk about such weird things, uh, we cannot do automated transcribing. It has to be person-based. Yeah, I said we tried. It's... It was bad. It was hilarious. I think <laughs> right. we should release one just for the joke of it. I'm trying to remember what Mordekainen's tome of foes was, but it was silly. But regardless, we need a human to transcribe our episodes, which is expensive. So if you want to help out with that, support our show. You can find links to it in all of the places I mentioned before, really. Uh, and yeah, help us out. Just as a heads up, we don't have any Patreon subscriber tiers that's kind of a moral cha- choice, but the big reason is that we don't want to split the community. We do plan on engaging a little bit more and giving you some choice in what we talk about by offering up some polls uh, for our monster of the week so that you can start voting on it. Um, and that's not going to be Patreon specific. You can just do that. Uh, so if right. you've got a monster that you want to hear and you see it or you've got input, whatever, we're listening, regardless of how much money you give us. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so nothing else there, I believe. With that, let's move into our monster of the week, which is the Tarrasque. This episode's monster is the horrifying Tarrasque, a legendary creature in the realms and in most tabletops. This creature has widely been understood to be the biggest and baddest of all. It was made in 1983, probably as a prank, made by a mad DM <laughs> at their players because they're like, we're bored. And so they're like, you know what? Fuck it. And they created the biggest, the baddest, the strongest monster of all. There's a lot of complaints, uh, especially in 4th and 5th edition, about how they have seemingly nerfed this once legendary, unbeatable monster. But uh, it's got it's got a few kills under its belt. Uh, it is the reason the Wizards of the Coast Forum shut down. So, you know... <laughs> Its power seeps out of the game. So what do you? What? Let's start with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's start with that. I think I know where you're going. But. Yeah. Uh, so um, anybody who's not in the know, this was this is probably a solid five years ago. But Wizards of the Coast had forums where you could discuss stuff. When Fifth Edition came out, the Monster Manual specifically, people saw the Tarrasque and lost it. Uh, the Tarrasque lost its regeneration ability. So on the forums, people argued that a level one wizard with acid splash and a broom could take the Tarrasque. <laughs> and mechanically... Because it doesn't have a ranged attack. Mechanically, right? this person was right. 900 pages of death threats later, w- uh, Wizards of the Coast just said, you know what? We're going to get out of the forum game. <laughs> and that's how it ended. Wow. So it was a piece of it. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I insist that the Tarrasque argument about the level one wizard with acid splash on a broom was the reason they killed it. <laughs> it was the most caustic discussion I've ever seen in my life. Get it? Caustic? I got Yeah. Yeah, I got nice. it. Nice. Good pun. <laughs> okay. So that, I think, uh, brings up a big point of contention there is that it's, uh, it doesn't have any ranged attacks. But what about when it doesn't need ranged attacks and is close enough here? Uh, Let's go through this stat block and and talk about what makes this thing such a monster. Uh, So starting off, its armor class is 25. uh, Hit points average of 676, which is pretty absurd. Uh, Speed of 40, which is not that absurd. But then going through, it's got a strength of 30, highest you can get. It's a plus 10. Uh, Dex of 11, 
why not 12? Who knows? I guess they just thought 11 was a good number. <laughs> yeah, because well, it makes a plus zero still. I know, yeah. but then, like, why did it need the... Right, but no, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, it why should have dumped yeah. wisdom, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> All of its other stats are like that. Uh, so then three intelligence, which puts it at just barely enough intelligence to... Be sentient. Yeah, yeah. basically. 30 con, once again, the highest you can get. 11 Wisdom and 11 Charisma. So I think it's two scariest stats here. Definitely going to be Wisdom and Charisma with plus zero. Right. And the the strength in Khan being plus 10 can just be ignored oh, for the most part. It, it's not even a provision in the saving throw. <laughs> that 11 Charisma is interesting. All right. So have you ever met somebody yeah. who's seven feet tall? No. All right. Well, it's fucking a trip, man. And as soon as they walk <laughs> into the room, it's like, Damn. And that's like, that's 11 charisma. He doesn't have to say anything. Right. So I know it's about like force of personality and your presence. And it's like, if you're doing it solely based off of that, which it seems like they are because they didn't make it zero. Right. 11 is not enough. No. For the no, fucking he's trask. he's so dumb. It's just like, that's it. It's like, <laughs> he's, he's like he, the floor of He charisma. walks into a room. You all just absolutely get wowed at this person who just walked in. And then you talk to him and it just is responded with a... Uh, you're like, oh, he's not actually that interesting, is he? That's the 11 charisma right there. <laughs> see, I see it more like if it's 11 charisma, if there's not much going on, it's a quiet restaurant and they walk in, people are going to turn their heads. But if there's like good conversations or it's loud, people aren't going to notice. Right, right. So it's like the Tarrasque yeah. storms into the city and like everyone at this like fancy, trendy restaurant having a good time don't notice it because they're too distracted. <laughs> Well, yeah, that's uh, that is a little bit questionable. Anyways, um, for saving throws, it's got uh, intelligence for some reason. It's just trying to balance it out so it doesn't have a bad saving throw except for Dex. Right, wisdom and then charisma. So, yeah, so Dex is its only bad saving throw. Yeah, the, yeah, plus five, plus nine, plus nine, respectively, and then strength and con are going to be plus ten. Because yeah, that's what the stand is. Right. And then damage immunities to fire, poison, and then bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing from non-magical attacks. Condition immunities for charmed, frightened, paralyzed, and poisoned. And then uh, senses, it's got blindsight out to 120 feet. And then a passive perception of 10, which I'm sure will come up in everyone's game. That will be very important. Um, And most importantly, a challenge rating of 30. I believe the only other official monster that has a CR of 30 is Tiamat pretty sure i'm pretty sure i would much rather fight this than tiamat for sure <laughs> i was gonna say it, it's like they hit the ceiling but i think if this is 30 tiamat's like 35 or 40 right 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 we should do tiamat for one just for the fun of it yeah we'll get but to anyways. it we'll get to it we'll see how this one goes we'll yeah. uh, we'll <laughs> play it by ear uh for its stat block it has legendary resistances three a day pretty standard for a, a legendary creature. Magic resistance, which just has advantage on saving throws against spells or other magical effects. And then a reflective carapace? Carapace. Carapace. On, you know, you guys shouldn't let me read things. You know I can't pronounce words. Third grade stuff. Is it? Jesus. Carapace, yeah. I was oh, a kid who was really into bugs. Oh, yeah, that actually makes In sense. In third grade. Okay, so it's like it's shell. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, so anytime the Tarrasque is targeted by a magic missile spell, a line spell, or a spell that requires a ranged attack roll, roll a d6. One to five, the Tarrasque is unaffected. On a six, the Tarrasque is unaffected, and the effect is reflected back at the caster as though it originated from the Tarrasque, turning the caster into the target. So that one sounds 
always like it's a really, really, really big deal. It's not. It's really not. It it shuts down spellcasters in a way that I feel like it ruins anything that they're going to do. Maybe not anything, but it ruins a lot of what they're going to do. Right. Um, where they go, oh, you know, I've got this awesome... Um, I'm trying to think of what's a, a ranged spell attack. It's like Burning. The, uh, what is Scorching Rain. Sure. Eldritch Blast? Sure. Over. Sure. Are you a warlock? Right. Just go home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, you're like, oh, I'll use my Scorching Rain. And it's like, uh, well, it's either doesn't work at all or it's reflected back at you without... Right any questions there. So you do it once and then you're like, oh, okay, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to use my my cantrip that just forces a saving throw instead. And then that's it's, it. It's super effective. What? Yeah. yeah you, just keep spamming it. As you're saying, like, acid splash, right? Acid splash. Yeah. Uh, forces sacred flame. Save. Yep. Yep. So I feel like there's a couple classes here that are just, like, totally Dead. fine against yeah. this. And then others, like the Warlock, where it's just like, yeah, you should probably go home. That's That's about all we got. You got Witch Bolt, right? Maybe? <laughs> Witch Bolt? <laughs> the one time it shines. Yeah, Witch Bolt would be great here. Never get his attention either. Uh, all right, so then for its actions, this is where uh, the the damage is coming in. It's got multi-attack where it can use its frightful presence, and then uh, it can make five attacks, one with its bite, two with its claws, one with its horn, one with its tail, and it can use its swallow instead of its bite if it is the right so situation. Fact. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so bite is going to be, they all kind of follow the same pattern of yeah. 4d something, but bite is going to be 40, 12 plus 10 damage plus 19 to hit. And it immediately grapples the target and the escape DC is 20. And when they're grappled, they're also restrained and the terrace can't bite another target right. because I guess it's got a tiny mouth. Um, well, no, cause it has I to know, open up. Know, yeah. Come on. I know. I know. Uh, so reach 10 feet, reach of 10 feet as well, which for something that's as big as it is, I think it's it's gargantuan, correct? Yeah. yeah. What does that even mean? That means as big as you want it to be. Um, there are actual yeah. stats. It's like 70 feet long, I think. Okay. 50 yeah, feet high. Down here. As you like 50 feet be, tall, 70 feet long, yeah. It'd be really hard for me to say that somebody is, you know, in this square, and yes, you're within range, and now you're at this square, and oh no, that's out of range. Like, there's no, like, one single cutoff point, I feel like, that... It's just like, yeah. Well, the cutoff feet is 10 feet. <laughs> that just feels weird is what For I'm it saying. For its bite, I'll say that's less so because it's, you know, you can't really extend your neck. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. I Unless can't. you're one of those weird turtles. <laughs> it might be. We should ask. Uh, next up is its claw. Another 19 to hit. Reaches 15 feet. And this does 48 plus 10 slashing and nothing else special. Uh, horns is same deal. 19 to hit. 10 foot reach. And 4d10 plus 10 for damage. Its tail, it's 46 plus 10 with a reach of 20. And then they must make a strength saving throw of DC 20 or be knocked prone. Uh, probably good to start off with that one, then just get advantage on everything. Uh, and then it's frightful presence. This is a fairly common thing for just like big, scary yeah, creatures. Dragons, dragons have it all the time. Yeah. Um, just creatures within 120 feet of the Tarrasque's choice make a DC 17 wisdom saving throw or they're frightened for one minute. Uh, the creature can repeat this at the end of their saving throw and it has disadvantage if it's within sight of the Tarrasque. Um, then lastly for its attacks is, or its actions, is the swallow ability. Uh, so when it has made a, or if it makes a bite attack against somebody that it already has grappled and restrained, uh, and the attack hits, then the target becomes swallowed. 
While swallowed, the creature is blinded and restrained. It has total cover, uh, and it takes 16d6 acid damage at the start of each of the Tarrasque's turns. If the Tarrasque takes 60 damage or more on a single turn from a creature inside of it, then it has to make a DC 20 con saving throw, uh, which comes down to a 50-50 shot. Uh, and it will regurgitate all swallowed creatures, uh, which fall prone in a space within 10 feet of the Tarrasque. So, that swallowed is definitely pretty deadly, especially because the 60 damage has to come on a single turn. From the person who's restrained inside of the Tarrasque. Right. So... Which means, like, if you're a fighter and you're like, oh, I got my four attacks because I'm level 20, each attack's with this advantage. And against a 25 piece. Which is... Right. All right, this is, this is where it gets ridiculous. You're in its damn stomach. Yeah. They're, like, I've always thought that there needs to be... Some kind of rule where it's not the same AC. So, you know, I get that to some extent. But for a creature who, uh, I guess, pays the bills by swallowing living creatures that are very powerful and trying to kill it, it's probably got a pretty thick intestinal no, I'll right? give you that. <laughs> it's probably I'll just as that. hard as the outside of it. But that, no, that shouldn't be that way. That's not how and also, you can't absorb nutrients like that, Jerry. <laughs> uh, the terrasque can. Uh, if only you read the ecology of the Tarrasque. I actually did. They have three stomachs. Oh, they have three stomachs. Yeah. All right. So the first stomach smushes and punches and like just beats the shit out of whatever's in there. Okay. Once you're all beaten to a pulp in that stomach, you move to the acid stomach, which right. totally dissolves you. Right. And the third stomach is a giant magical furnace, which can destroy anything, even artifacts. And it doesn't need to poop because the furnace destroys everything. It's just gone. <laughs> Is this actually this is actually yeah. the ecology of Tarrasque? See, that would be much more interesting for a swallow mechanic. Is on the right. first turn you take bludgeoning damage, on the second turn <laughs> you take acid damage, and on the third turn you're dead. No, screw it. Full gears of war. It's an entire dungeon. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody did that recently. I think so. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I saw that, that on Reddit. I, I know nothing about it, so I can't credit them or anything. But yeah, yeah I remember seeing that. But I mean, yeah, that would be still a more interesting mechanic than just you take acid damage. Right. Because that's, that's putting some flavor to it. There's yeah. something there. You know, you have a, a very, very short deadline. And maybe then there's, you know, some balance to it where you can't give disadvantage on the attacks. But you're not going to be a level 10 party fighting this thing. No. You're going to be level 20. And at that point, if you got swallowed, what are you doing? Yeah. Why are you, why are you getting swallowed? Well, no, <laughs> there, that totally makes sense that you would get swallowed. It's not that hard to gets wall. I know, I right. know. But to some extent, you know, you need to um I guess be prepared for that cuz you get a whole two two-ish turns to deal with it. You get bit. You're going to have a turn in between before it can swallow no, you. No, your legendary reactions. Actions it has chomp. So legendary actions typical as anything else it could take them in between others turns. It gets three of them around and resets on its initiative, I think. That is very true. Yeah, and one of them, Chomp, which does cost two actions, the Trask makes one bite or uses its swallow. Yep, that is fair. So, so if it you bites can... you, it might just swallow you next turn. Yep. Or next, yeah, next possible And in fact, moment. it very much should because right. it needs to free up that action. Right. right, to then bite somebody else. Yeah. Yeah, so there's nothing all that crazy or special about it. Like it's swallow, it's bite, it's claws, you see it. Over and over and over again in the Monster Manual um, and, and all of them, really. It just does it all really well. It hits really fucking hard. Right. And it's hard to kill. Right. So on its own, it's not really exciting. No. I think I kind of understand the complaints. Mm-hmm. But 
I think it can have the framework to be exciting if used in the right way. So like that complaints where a level one wizard or hell, they don't even need to manage to get a magical flying broom. They could just be an Aarakocra. Yeah. And just fly a level one. That's how old this was. There wasn't even an Aarakocra. Yeah, there weren't Aarakocra. Right, yeah. Forums got shut down. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay, sure. It's fine. That will work. But this is not a monster that hangs out in the forest and you go kill it for a bounty. This is something that slumbers deep under the earth and is brought up for unknown reasons to destroy something and then leave. Mm-hmm. It's, it's what it always does. So it comes up and it's all right. All right. I'll, you know, you got the smug wizard on his broom, plunking little acid, acid splashes at it, slowly chipping away at its, what, 636 health? <laughs> 676 uh, heads. <laughs> yeah, that's going to take literal days. Right. He will pass some saves, so yeah. sometimes just a wasted action. Yeah. And he's like, ha, I got you outsmarted. I'm going to get you to Rask as it just destroys an entire city. Right. Killing tens of thousands of lives and disrupting the entire kingdom, sending it into poverty. And or just wiping it out. Like, it's, yeah. yeah, like there's no stop here. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, it's sure, it's just ignoring him. But right. it's like, and then it's done, and then it leaves. Right. And it's like, oh, <laughs> it didn't work. No. It's, yeah, no. you need the Tarrasque almost to set up. It almost needs to be like a time limit. Right. It, it needs to be going after something such as destroying a city that you need to try and protect. Right, right. Where its main focus might not even be the the, yeah, the PCs. Right. Um, it might be attacking, you know, castle walls, for example. It is a siege monster. It has right. it deals double double damage to objects and structures. Right. Now that one's always kind of weird because you have to figure out how much health does a castle wall have, which I hate. I'm sure it's all out there. It's it there. is, yeah. it is. DG, I just yeah. it's just weird. Um, but regardless, you know, that's going to be what you're fighting against is it's getting to a certain place and the PCs need to stop it before them, and the Tarrasque needs to manage killing these things that are a problem. The PCs will pose a threat at right. this level, and furthering progress and kind of making the decision of you know what makes sense this turn. Right. Yeah, and that's where the five attacks right. come it in. And, and, yeah, and every that. attack is hits really hard, right? And will probably hit with a plus nineteen. Yes. Like I mean, that would be pretty rare to. Even at, you know, level 20, we're talking about, like, absurd levels of AC, 25. And that's, again, I'm talking absurd. Yeah, that's All really the magic items, like, you've got, you know, your plus three armor, your plus three shield, and you're just, okay, great. Yeah. You're fully kitted. You're not going to go You still hit 25. on a six or higher. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it's, we're talking 30-something damage per hit, usually yeah. on average. Like, right. that will knock people down fast. So half the attacks but, on the party, the other half on whatever it's going for. You have Heavy Armor Master. That's minus three. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's another oversight. He does not have magical attacks. That's true. That's true. So thank you, Will, for reminding me that Heavy Armor Master is the greatest feat in the game. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I don't care if you don't. So, but w- kind of going back to what you said, because that was the argument that normal people made on the forums. It's like... All right, you are you're not looking at this right, buddy. That's not how it works. Right. If but you're in an arena fight, then your DM sucks. The other issue is that you can still kite the shit out of this thing. So fucking easy, it's not even funny. So that I think goes back mm-hmm. to what's their end goal. Where if they're trying to get straightforward, that's all they care about, and you're just sitting back and shooting at it. Great, you're shooting at it every turn. Well, that's but, not what kiting means. Yeah, but what? How are you going to? 
force it to pay attention to you over You aren't. Goal. That's actually quite dumb. That's like a bad strategy. Well, maybe I'm not understanding kiting. You kite it. You, you will never have to interact with the Tarask in like a fight. You okay. just shoot it the entire time. If that's your character... You don't want to distract the Tarrasque, you know? Okay, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. So you've got you've got entire characters, any kind of range characters, just never going to engage in this fight at all. Right. There's no reason for it. Uh, any flying character has even less reason. Right, you know? so they're just going to be sitting up there taking pot shots. And if they do enough damage, then inevitably, it's basically just going to be a very bland Tarrasque fights the castle walls and everybody else just shoots at it and either they hit and do some damage and chip it away or they don't and then they just go to the next turn yeah and that's that's still boring um that is yeah so that's why i think you need to play it where you do need to make the dumb decision of getting the trask's attention we did this on a really really small scale in our recent campaign where there was a little boy getting attacked by these desert scorpions and we entered the room, and he's, like, surrounded by them. And we're, like, 40 feet away or something like that, was it? 40, 50 feet? Yeah. And, it was like, I mean, it was just a commoner stat block. Going to, this kid was going to get ripped apart. But, you know, we were trying to role play. It's like, all right, we, we care about this kid's life. So we made the really dumb decision to dash in, giving up our actions, to throw ourselves over the kid to protect him to draw the scorpions onto us and it made this what should have been a medium fight actually almost very deadly i think i think i actually went i went down three times in that fight yep because of the added element of trying to protect this kid that sounds like a really interesting encounter your dm <laughs> is killing it give him right? my kudos yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> no so it's yeah, right. it's, it's the so. same exact same idea it's like okay sir you could sit in the back and just shoot arrows and magic at it and it will Ignore you, but by doing that, the entire city and tens of thousands of lives are lost. Right, it just, you have to make the sacrifice of drawing its attention. So that, but that's that's unbelievably dumb in some ways. So you've got this full party of people kitted out monsters of the realm, essentially. But like half your party has zero reason to get in range of this thing ever. Correct. Right. Probably. I mean, yeah. that's how a lot of parties are. Right. Right. So, like, the DMs, what, what's the DM going to do? It's like, all right, um, all three spellcasters, it's, it's not convinced by the three martial characters. The uh, spellcasters and the range guys have to come up, too. It's like, they don't. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah, well, fair. until the fighter comes down. Right. I say, but if, if it's just... The, the, if it's just focusing... Then get the run-up to do it. Yeah, I say, <laughs> what happens when it swoops down, bites the fighter swallows it next round and now the fighter as we just said he's restrained he can't hit through a 25 ac even with four attacks what are you gonna do what are you gonna do are you gonna run up to the tarask and like pap it with a staff i don't know maybe the fighter just dies uh, that's, yeah, that's really fine. that's, that's fine. besides the point but now the ranger or somebody else is going to have to go and get its attention yeah, otherwise say it's going to continue one on. single party member trying to tank this thing and getting all five attacks focused on it will die very fast even at level 20 right you need to try and split it up you have to get creative with it right like haste you just gotta haste him <laughs> <laughs> plus two ac then let the then the shield. There you go. Right. Yeah, plus five. All right. Yeah, I'm just not like uh, it seems like a very. You can, you bad can make idea. that argument about any like like dragon fights. It's like 
in any any single enemy fight, you can make that argument where it's like, mm. well, you have people in the back and they're not engaged. Like, well, they're having fun. They're blasting at it and stuff and they're mm. having a good time or the tank's tanking it and they're doing what they're supposed to do. Everyone's I mean, having a giggle as lives are being yeah. lost at a <laughs> rate that is just unfounded. <laughs> the dragon has options, though. That's the difference. Yeah. Like, That's true. any That's true. options at all. That's true. Whereas the Tarrasque presents zero threat. So I, I'm still... At the end of the day, I'm, I'm trying to argue against it because that's what we're here for. But if I were to ever use a Tarrasque, I am going to replace its, um, probably its horn attack. Its entire fucking staff. <laughs> Just at the very least, its horn attack for a ranged, like, tail spike, which I'm pretty sure they had in previous editions. It's just a ranged attack. Maybe it even does the exact same damage, but instead it's able to attack at range. Right. And yeah, then, I say given a ranged attack, though, is or, like, a beam, not like Godzilla style. Sure. Shoots a beam out of That's really cool, too. Yeah. See, when you're talking about CR30, it's like, I don't care anymore. <laughs> you know, like, right. I'm just here to, you know, make this as hard <laughs> as possible. And I, it, I don't think that's a problem. I think that, at the end of the day, we can sit here talking about ways that yes it could and probably would still be a fun fight yeah like, honestly if if this was a thing level 20s fighting it i don't care if the rangers in back just taking pot shots but in order to make it a really interesting memorable fight you are going to have to tweak it a little bit with either right. a godzilla beam or a ranged tail spike attack or i don't know give it a unicycle <laughs> whatever <laughs> sparks up your encounters I still say as is with a very important thing to protect mm -hmm. could still make it interesting because like I said, yeah. your party is going to have to really try and get its attention and trade who's getting hit right. because no one person is going to survive just getting beat on this thing turn after turn. Mm. That's probably mostly true. And it, it is killable. I hear that complaint. It's like, oh, it's killable. It doesn't have like infinite regenerates and immunity to all damage. Like, I haven't heard that extreme, but people talk about like, oh, you could kill it. It's like, it's the Tarrasque. It should feel almost unkillable. And it's like, why have that as a stat block? <laughs> yeah. It's like, what's the right. point? I mean, right. they, but they did. They right. had it back in the day. I know they did. I thought, I think it's really silly. Like, why waste real estate in these books, which have a limit on how much they'll print with an unkillable monster? It's like, if you don't even need the stat block, just say it's immune to all damage and conditions. <laughs> but it wasn't. It, it just had a lot more hoops to jump through. Uh, I think the issue, though, is it's abundantly killable there's so much shit in here it's not even moderately resistant to uh the ac's high but it's not catastrophic we're talking about level probably 20 characters right mm -hmm. is 676 that much we've had rounds at level 12 where we did 100 something damage yeah it's true yeah that's a couple paladin smites and this damage is a lot don't get me wrong this is like i it's like 150 per round assuming everything hits which is not an unsafe assumption but that's not that much. Mm, it's about two rounds. Okay, to but kill the barbarian's somebody. resistant to it. Okay, then you swallow the barbarian. Yeah, he's still resistant to it. <laughs> but still, I mean, it's it's a problem. But now the, the barbarian the swallow is can do all this shit too. Swallow is sixteen d six acid damage per turn. Right. This well, also it removes them from the fight. Right. And well, no, it doesn't. Not I mean, entirely. But he can cancel out his own disadvantage in that situation to beat on it. Yeah, that's true. Practical stack, yeah. It's just, like, there's... I, this is my biggest problem. There's so many fucking oversights in this uh, Tarrasque that just don't make sense to me. Like, who would win in a fight? Tiamat or the Tarrasque? Tiamat. Tiamat. Weaken Tiamat or the Tarrasque? I don't know what weaken Tiamat entails. Uh, 
It doesn't matter. She's immune to his attacks. Oh, she's yeah. immune to non-magical attacks. That's right. That's just... <laughs> it's just so hard. Like, there's... It should have magical attacks. It should have all these things. It just... It, it kind of... I think I agree with a lot of people on the forums. This was a kind of missed opportunity to fuck up. And I think it, with the way it is, it would be hard to make a fun fight out of this. And I don't want to be like a negative Nancy. This is my opinion. <laughs> I, was like, I think it would be a struggle to make it fun to fight the Tarrasque in its current iteration. Huh. Well, I think that at the very least, there are some small tweaks that you can make to, to overcome that. Definitely. Um, I, and I think one that kind of bothers me is this, uh, with this reflection, the spell reflection, there's... I don't know about previous iterations of the Tarrasque, but I don't like the fact that it just removes any reason to ever cast these types of spells. I would really rather there be like a potential chance for it to get through. It, it's a half-assed version of uh, what Tiamat has is limited uh, magic immunity. Right. That's what it used to have. Like just shit didn't work. Right. That's what the challenge was. And but that's I agree. Thing. That's frustrating and annoying. I think Tiamat's was like spells under fifth level. Sixth level. Sixth level. That's right? fine. Okay, cool. That's fine. I'm going to use my meteor swarm. That still works. I don't think that's a, uh, a spell at rolled attack or anything. Um, <clears throat> but I like the idea of just like, you know, even just taking it so that a, or you've got the, on a one, the spell goes through. On a two to five, it has no effect. On a six, it gets reflected. Now it's like, oh, okay, I'm making a decision. Is this worth it? If this gets reflected on me, am I dead? Can I counterspell my own spell and make it out of this? You know, just something to provide some thought to it. Because a lot of this just feels like, and then the caster sits in the corner. Because if they get hit, they're dead. And if they make a spell attack that isn't just trying to burn their legendary resistances... And then, I don't know, maybe they get a hold monster on it if they cast, like, a bunch of hold monsters. But that's it. It's just like, oh, I cast hold monster. All right, it Some it paralyzed. Okay, yeah. great. So, like, what do you... I, I would have to look yeah. through, but, like, what spells can you even cast on this thing? Meteor Swarm. Disintegrate? Yeah. Yeah. Over and over again. Right. And it's going to succeed... Well, okay, Disintegrate actually is probably a it's really a, good it's one It's a dex one, right? It's yeah. a dex save, yeah. So then and if you, you're at level 20, you have a lot of spell slots for it. Right. What level is Disintegrate? Six. Is that? I thought it was seven. No, it's six level. Okay. okay. Regardless, you've got plenty of spell slots to burn through the resistances, and then once it gets down to 100 health, that's it, right? Or is it 40? I can't remember which one. It is. Power word kill is 100 health. Right. I think disintegrate is under if 40 If it kills health. it. Oh, yeah. If it, it kills it. That's it. That's and it. it's like 10d10 plus 40 damage or something like that. I don't remember. Okay. Yeah. That's it. Sorry. Turns into dust. Yeah. It actually wouldn't turn. It shouldn't. Technically, it's so turn much into dust because there's too much. It's <laughs> too much dust. It only disintegrates 10 foot cubes at a time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's just giving, like, I guess, better reasoning to try and cast spells. Yeah. Um, it, my biggest issue is it's like half assed. It's like trying to prevent those spells, but it doesn't really prevent anything significant unless it's super significant and then it's just annoying. Right. Exactly. And I, I still want there to be like some, some just matter of choice. And I don't feel like there's any choice in that. You're just limited in what spells you can cast, and even if they do succeed, you're just kind of burning through them until you can start doing damage on it. Which, again, I, I say that like it's like, oh, how how exceptionally boring. But in reality, as you've mentioned, Kevin, there's going to be a time limit on this, so you need it to fail as many of those saves as possible so you can start actually doing damage on it because it just killed 500 people with one tail swipe. Right. Um, so there, there is definitely more 
story. Um, thing actually, to the this. tail only does forty-six plus ten, Jared. That's uh, it would be doing it to a castle wall, which then crumbles, and every person near it takes five hundred damage. <laughs> I mean, they're just dead outright. There that's, you go. It's that's perfect. it. There's no <laughs> number that's necessary for it, honestly. No, that, and that's the only really way to do that. You have to have consequences that exist external to the Tarask. Mm-hmm. And even then, right. okay, so let's, I think maybe some of the issue here is that it is, it's got such a history behind it. If this had no history and it was just like, here's the Tarask, new to 5th edition, how could you use this? You'd be like, oh, that would still be really a huge challenge for my level 20 party. And they would still have a fun fight against this. I almost worry that the legend of the Tarask has grown bigger than the Tarask itself. That was very deep of you, Jared. (laughs) Thank you. But I actually still do question whether that's even even true, to be honest. Like... I, don't I just know. feel like this carry. Like the more I look at it, like the more this looks like a very nukable meat sack. <laughs> like twenty five stops being that intimidating at level twenty. Even, I mean, that's a bad, but level twelve plus twelve or thirteen to hit around then. If I had to guess. If I had, yeah, plus six proficiency and then plus five, so it's eleven, and then a either plus two or plus three weapon. So yeah, yeah, it's about right. Plus whatever else you got, you know. Plus whatever else you got, of course, yeah. And especially if you aren't just making, like, your characters should be pretty kitted up by level 20. You get some pretty, that's the problem with Endgame. You get some pretty freaky stuff, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, legendary and, uh, items are pretty whack. Yeah, because you're, like, you're limiting it to, like, oh, they have 20 strength. They might have 29 strength, right. <laughs> to be honest. This is right. not a limited thing. Right. So, you know, I think there's a lot of situations where it wouldn't be a threat. Well, let's just call it a, a nice medium encounter. Uh, yeah, this is a nice medium encounter. How do I challenge my, my level 20 party? We'll throw them a, a couple Tarasks a day and then finish <laughs> it off with a Tiamat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's the level of play I'm at. That was a, I don't know, that was a five Tarask day. Yeah, I could use a short rest. <laughs> <laughs> um, any other interesting lore you came across? There's tons of lore. Um, okay. The origin story of the there's no real nobody knows anything about the Tarask. That's kind of his legendary lore. But in one of the Spelljammer books, there's a planet of Tarasks. What? <laughs> it, like it's the apex predator of the planet, and it lives like a comfy life, eating all the lizard people that live there. Oh my god! And like one of them, somebody like shot it or something. I don't know. And it flew through space. And being a Tarask, it was fine until it crashed in the Forgotten Realms, and it just took a nap and wakes up every couple <laughs> centuries. I don't know. There's only supposed to ever be one Tarask in the world. Right. And it's like the natural disaster of all disasters. So it doesn't breed. It just sleeps on the ground. And the way to kill it back in the day is you had to reduce it to zero and then wish it was dead. Oh. With Uh, all the hoops, that that was the only way to kill it. So with all the hoops that you had to go through to even do damage to this thing, then when it was dead, you had to use the most powerful spell in the game to actually make it dead. Or it just got back up. Which is just a frustrating thing. It's like, (laughs) we don't have wish. It's like... Sorry, guys. <laughs> or even better, like, you know, you just... I mean, I actually don't know how Wish worked back then, but doesn't it have a chance of failing, or no? This is one of those situations that doesn't. Okay. Well, I guess we're out of ninth level spell slots. Oops. Oops. I shouldn't burn that all in here. Yeah. The other way they uh, died was they didn't die. They just burrowed back into the core of the earth, which I prefer. 
Your party shouldn't be able to kill the only Tarask in the world. What about all the future parties, Jerry? <laughs> what about the, all the future level 20s who are really bored? Right. <laughs> you got to save the Tarask, man. Let well, it sleep. I will say, though, that things that you brought up, Kevin, potentially make that uh, way back, I think it was like a couple, first couple episodes, we had the, the Elemental series. There was like the, uh, the Zeratan and oh, the, yeah. the Phoenix, Phoenix uh, and all of those. This puts a more uh, neat spin on uh, that kind of calamity feeling uh, of like, you know, it is going towards something. It's going to destroy something. And I think we talked about that with the Zeratan specifically because that would fit pretty well. But even though they were really low intelligence and basically had no reason why they were heading towards whatever they were heading towards in the lore, um, I think that... That can definitely be part of your setup there. Is the the evil cult uh, has a ritual that they can raise this thing up and command it to do one specific thing. You know, head that direction and get to the blah, 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 and then open up the door to blah, blah, blah. And now the evil right. cult has that. Great. So now it's that same type of setup of like your level 20 party needs to put a stop to this. There's a time limit. And it doesn't fully care about the party as much as it is doing its one task right so that i like that's hard to do we've never had an actual fight like that i don't think i think that would have made oh what's that yeah i don't think we have okay i say i think that would have made way back there was a a siege on a city in the in one of the campaigns we ran and i I wish i did something like that would have been more fun no i don't know man oh well all right so i think that's everything we have about the tarasque um, any any final closing thoughts? Uh, I think anybody looking for challenge needs to pull open the Tiamat stat block. It, the contrast is just night and day how difficult these encounters are. Take what you can from that and maybe boost up your Tarask. It's It pains me to say that, but the Tarask just needs more meat, more death, and a ranged attack. <laughs> I can definitely agree on the ranged attack at least. All right. Yeah, I would say yeah, if you're coming at it where this is supposed to be one of the most powerful things in the world and an almost impossible fight, yes, boost it up. If you're kind of more using it as a powerful monster that was summoned to you know go destroy a city and you're trying to stop it, something like that. If you don't have all that heavy weight and lore on it, it's fine. I think we fine. It's just like it's a really fucking tough fight. That's fair. That's fair. The I think, once again, the, the lore itself is really what makes it such a boring fight. And, and yeah, I mean, yeah, it's still, it's it's there. But Tiamat's better. Yeah, or I think, like, an ancient red dragon's close. It's in closer than rating. it should be for a challenge rating, like, 25. I don't think I've ever fought an ancient dragon. No, they're incredibly difficult. Man. Yeah. Should have that conversation sometime. So, uh, with that, I think we're done here. And, Kevin... Thanks for listening. Next time on Monsters and Multiclass. Join us as we discuss the Monk Warlock Multiclass and then the Orcs, uh, potentially part one. We'll see how much discussion it brings. There could be a lot to talk about. Thanks for listening. Oh, that's Kevin's line.